welcome to another episode of Morelli Python Radio. And in this episode, we have Mr. Nick Mutton returning. Back by popular demand or by mandated court order. We're not sure yet. Yes. So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. I really, I, I sort of haven't bothered Nick. Uh, I told him this. Um, he, thought was, he thought we didn't want him on the show anymore. But I was like, no, he's, he's Nick Mutton is... His podcast. I mean, gold, we always man. always want I mean, Nick back because then you know we just let him. Nick, here's a topic, and then you and I can take a break for the show. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but uh, but uh, yeah, he's been busy with the book, and uh, you know, I, I don't know, I was trying to give him some space, yeah, I mean, but uh, yeah, I thought it was time. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so welcome back. Oh, that's just like your fifth time on MP. I don't know. Do we give him a jacket eventually? Like. Do more than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it might because we've been doing this for what ten years out um, now, and so it has exactly. to be at least, yeah, at least I once per season. So long ago, Owen didn't have a beard, and you didn't have gray hair. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, look I at was so, so long ago. I might have actually had hair. Yeah, I was. So, I was so youthful and full of hope. Yeah, my like, eyes were. Thank God that I got <laughs> run over. out of you now. Yeah. The broken shell of an as it should be. It's just yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, so, how you been, man? How, what what you what have you been up to over these uh, past what year Long and a half? Years. I think it's, it's been, been since it's been over a year. Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah. Same same crap as always. Honestly, <laughs> well, it, behind on everything. It's like you just never. <laughs> no matter what you do, it's like you. When you have as many snakes as I do, and maybe even you already at that point, where like you cross some sort of threshold where it becomes impossible to have that many clean snakes at one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got, my baby room right now is at about 600 snakes. Jesus. It takes two days to clean them. But you can't have 600 snakes that are all clean because by the time you get to, if you start on the left, by the time you get to snake 87, the first three shit in their water bowl are tipped <laughs> it over. it over, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you're never, you're just always behind. You're just always chasing your tail. God. How long does it take to clean 600 snakes? Two days. Two days. Full Two days. days. Eight-hour days? I can or... adult building in a day if I really keep at it. Uh, the thing is, it takes me two days to feed them and two days to clean them. So four out of seven days of the week, I'm just fucking with those things. <laughs> do you have like a you have a system worked out to where like you you're like you know every minute of your snake cleaning uh, routine is 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 thought out to where it's you're not wasting. Really mindless now. I've gotten into like audiobooks and stuff because I don't need you know, yeah you really half your brain tied behind your back. Really, yeah. you're just pulling paper towels out, replacing with identical piece of paper towel, throwing away a water bowl and replacing it with a different one. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mostly that. Like today I was cleaning right up until five minutes before we came on. And uh, I'm cleaning. I have like a spotted python. Thanks, Ryan Young. Just latched onto my hand. <laughs> I, this thing's horrible. I, I got a pair of them because genetically they're a little bit outcross, which is hard to do with spotted pythons. And they're just vicious creatures. Uh, very yeah, big, but... It, of course, just latches onto my finger, and I'm like, I don't have time to wait around for this thing to stop biting me. So I'm cleaning with my left hand, one-handed, other pissed-off snakes, and it's just wrapped around my hand because I don't have time to stop to mess with this. I got to keep going. It'll let go eventually, and I'm just going to one-handed, left-handed style and just keep on going. 
I must have been saying I ate snakes with just one hand while the other finally decided it wasn't getting anywhere with my finger. <laughs> wow. That's how, yeah, it's like uh, when you're training or whatever, you do things with one hand or, Keep you know, going. one leg, you just, <laughs> then all of a sudden, yeah. I've got to, cool. yeah, I have to clean basically probably an average of 150 snakes a day, seven days a week, just to stay above water, barely. This, wow. This is why Nick is like, hey, you guys want anything? You guys need anything? I'll send you a box. Like, <laughs> yeah, what do you guys <laughs> want? I got you. <laughs> like, yeah. Nick's like, I'll fill it, fill the box. Whatever you yeah. need. <laughs> Uh, that's the time of year when it's the hardest yeah it's not always you know i mean my job is now i would say it's stressful and difficult for a few months when everything's hatching and nobody wants to eat and they're all pissing you off and and all of that Mm -hmm. and uh but you know get like december january and i try to get more writing done because everybody's in the adults are information and i don't feed during the winter at all yeah i don't know why anybody does why would you want to do that to yourself? Like I, I, I enjoy the fact that they're not eating and they're not shitting and I don't have to clean hardly anything. Yeah. Yeah. I threw my entire adult building in 90 minutes flat yeah. in the, in January because nobody's doing anything. I'm just making sure they don't run out of water and occasionally they'll crumple their paper up or whatever, but it's not, it's usually a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. It's glorious. Yeah. You oh, told me good. that early on. Like, Yep. <laughs> Like, wait, you don't have to feed them? <laughs> Not every week? What's wrong with you? Is you're kind of screwing yourself by feeding them, really. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. not just the temperature cycle. There's also an annual food cycle, mm-hmm. which coincides with the temperature cycle. And both of those things can influence follicular genesis. So, um, you know, you can, you can get there sometimes just with a food cycle with some species. You can get there definitely with just the temperature cycle with a lot of species. But if you do both at the same time and you're kind of pulling you know, with both of those, you really get the best results. I always thought with some of those Indonesian uh, pythons, uh, you would be able to do more of a food cycle. Um, more, just because, that's you know, totally they- true. The more equatorial they are, there is just less seasonal variation. Mm-hmm. Those, two, those two competing sort of stimuli for reproduction mm-hmm. – uh, Temperature becomes more important and the more dominant one in the more temperate species, the farther south you get below the equator. Uh, so it's why with coastals and diamonds and brettles and these things get much more pronounced seasonal change. That's the primary driver. Food is secondary. But when you get in like Indonesia, like things like Savu pythons and Maclite, it's where it's pretty much an equatorial environment. Uh, the food cycle is more is the more important of the two. Mm-hmm. Right. The food cycle in the wild is influenced because you still have pronounced wet and dry seasons. The temperature doesn't change a ton, right. but wet and dry periods uh, affect prey availability. So you have a seasonal sort of boom and bust as far as what there is to eat, not so much in the temperature department. Um, but depending, yeah, you can, a lot of the lice, the Indonesian lice stuff, it's the food cycle is the more important in my estimation. Yeah. Yeah. I would wonder if you would like time that food cycle with like, uh, like with us, Owen, come like in in the spring or the fall when we're getting storms and fronts coming in and pressure drops and stuff like that. If that would, uh, if you sort of timed that together, if you would get some action. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe do that with your teamwork. There you go. I mean, I've just (laughs) been doing the olive pythons like the carpets, but they do, I have a food cycle and they have a little bit of a weather drop, but, um, I mean, maybe I'll be a little bit harder on the white lips and the 
Timor's and whatever else I got cooking around here. I don't know what the hell's downstairs. So we all sort of, we all create a food cycle, whether we realize we're doing it or not. Yeah. Uh, my food cycle yeah. is basically the same as most people's, and here's what it is: uh, things lay eggs, and then you oh crap, you look like you're gonna die. I better feed you a bunch. <laughs> you're <laughs> good now. <laughs> you look quite so half dead. Yeah. Then you slack off all summer long because you're just not on top of your game and you hardly feed them. And then long about September, like, oh, crap, I got to put some weight on you. You're not going to lay any eggs this year. And then you start hammering with food again at the last minute. Yep. And then we go. But by doing that, even though it's sort of being absent-minded, really, it is this ramp up of ramping up of calories in the lead into the breeding season is what you need to do. So you kind of do it accidentally. Yeah. Most of it. So, so Nick, I'm curious with with your food cycling. Are you doing more of a a, a size uh, of the prey, or are you doing a frequency of the prey? Like, are you doing it every couple frequency. of days, maybe or frequency? Yeah. Yeah, digestive efficiency varies by species, but a lot of times, feeding a bigger rat, you're just making a bigger turd. Honestly, it's <laughs> yeah. The best okay. examples like ball pythons. Like, what a waste! Like, just to feed them anything bigger than a weaned rat, it doesn't matter. It's like. <laughs> If you feed a ball python a 50-gram rat, it's going to digest 45 grams and make a 5-gram turd. If you feed a 500-gram rat, it's going to digest 45 grams and make a 455-gram turd. It's just going to go out the other end. You're spending a bunch of money to make a bigger, giant turd. It makes no sense. They do better on smaller meals because they can digest that more effectively. They'll get proportionally more out of it. Um, They can eat bigger things, but a lot of it comes out the other side, and so... So why? Yeah, why, I was wondering just because every time you see a coastal carpet, you know, it, it has this huge meal in it, and maybe that's just, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's just what's available. And that's maybe... a, a bias in what photographs you see, though. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to eat everything they can eat. If it had right. eaten a sparrow, you wouldn't even see the bulge, so right. you wouldn't know it had eaten anything. Right. right. But the picture would be less noteworthy. But if it just right. ate. Wallaby, you're like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> like, holy crap. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. Like it gets all over the net, so right. getting the impression they only eat giant things. Right, right. We're not gonna, they're going to eat anything they can get their hand, get around, and swallow successfully. That's what they're going to eat. Right. Uh, sometimes that's going to be something huge, and the next meal might be insultingly small. They're not going to not eat something because it's not a big meal. Yeah. Right. So, I tend to not try not to feed giant colossal rats so much uh, just because it's largely a waste yeah Uh, and and i I, I try not to let animals get really really big Uh, the thing with the big giant coastals especially in captivity is it's the same as everything else where people they misinterpret information because we live in this sort of era where everybody if it doesn't fit on a bumper sticker no one's gonna take time to read it (laughs) you mean you, you can make the most long the most lengthy well thought out informative post on social media that anybody ever posted in the history of social media. People are going to, they're going to read the first sentence, the last sentence, look at the picture, and then they're going to mentally just try to guess what the middle was. Cause they don't have time to read it. Cause that might take two minutes. <laughs> Good enough. And anything with a nuance to anything, they're going to, they're going to take the wrong thing away from it or not anything at all. And with like reptile sizes, I'm constantly having to, it's hard to not be kind of curmudgeonly uh, in my old age with the, on the issue, but you just get yeah. tired of answering the same questions that are not really even questions. Yeah. It's like, 
how big will this get? It's like, fuck, I don't know. How much you going to Yeah, what's up to you, dude? The idea that they they read some, I don't know, some shitty old TFH book from the 1980s that said the coastal garbage can get 14 feet long. Like, what? Why why is that? That's quite a surprise to most coastal garbage, I think. Right, but, like, why is that the thing that sticks in everybody's head? Like, 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 diamonds are 1,200 feet. It's like, Jesus Christ, where did you get that, and what are you doing? Yeah, right. They think... Also, they conflate two unrelated or related, but not terribly related concepts. And one is adult size and record size. Right. Like, yeah. And that's just an insane thing to do. Like, it's, you know, anacondas can get 33 feet long. It's like, no, one anaconda was measured that long. One. Right. One Out of all of them. Ever. <laughs> one. The average adult female green anaconda, 17 feet. Right. And about twenty five percent the mass of the giant one. You don't judge the giant outlier. It'd be like judging the average size of humanity by Andre the Giant. Yeah. That would be insane. Like, <laughs> I'm well, screwed. Yeah, you're going yeah, to go right yeah. five hundred pounds. So humans are huge. Like, no, that's nuts. <laughs> yeah. You don't. You don't judge the uh, potential size based on the outlier. Yeah. The average, which is substantially smaller, and this is what kills people with. Even with some high-profile projects, and I'll talk some smack. I'll do it. But it's like, it drives me nuts. It's like, as nobody, they feed the animal up to their expectation of adult size, right. which is almost always way too damn big. Yeah. This is why the Cymalia genus is the least bred you know, of everything. And the reason is they're not that big. Uh, you know, they keep reading, well, barn scrubs can get 14 feet long. It's like, yeah, there have been some, definitely found some that big, but... If you find one even in the wild that's 14 feet, is it a reproductively active adult? Or is it like a 75-year-old animal that hasn't bred in 30 years? <laughs> right. It's like right. The, right. the water python we found in Darwin. That thing was the biggest water python I've ever freaking seen. And it might have been 100 years right. old. Right. And, and it's not breeding with shit. <laughs> no, like it it might have been <laughs> the great-grandpappy of all of them. Yeah. I mean, the point with like the scrub pythons is that I've seen a lot of 14- and 15-foot scrub pythons. What I have yeah. never seen is a 15-foot scrub python on eggs. Not once. Never seen it. Seen a lot of big ones people thought they were going to breed and never did breed. You know, I have seen a lot of 7- and 8-foot scrub pythons on eggs. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I've got my Wamina clutch is getting ready to hatch any minute now. They're on day 70-something. Mm. Uh, bred in back-to-back years. More eggs this year than last year. She is maybe 7.5 feet long, and this is her second year. She is the size. She is noticeably smaller than my Brisbane coastals, like noticeably smaller. Right, and has not really? produced twice. My male is like a coastal carpet. Uh, wow, uh, you know, smaller than my female. He's not. They're not that big, and they breed like crazy. Yeah, I, I, so it's not even the the fact that it, it's difficult to breed. It's more of uh, we're just breaking them. Yeah, <laughs> it's made more or less. There is right, a tendency if you try to tell people the real secrets to breeding things, they don't want to hear it. Mm. Right. They want to believe in magic and fairy dust and unicorns and some Big magical. <laughs> they only, there's this perception that difficult things don't breed because there's some mystical, magical recipe we just haven't figured out yet. And it's the answer is most often not outside of the box. It's well within the box. Mm-hmm. People just get back in the fucking box. This would work. They do everything. <laughs> it's. They grow with sticking with Cymalia. It doesn't matter whether it's a Bowens python or a Barnack or whatever. They're all scrub pythons. Right. And it's the same thing. They get way too big. 
way too fat and don't breathe. And people keep fucking with them. That's just what it is. It's like, you know why people don't breed Bowens pythons? Because they keep trying different shit every year trying to figure out how to breed Bowens pythons. Scrub pythons as a group are highly stressed. Mm-hmm. They are twitchy animals. They're nervous. They're, they, you know, so if you keep messing with them and you don't give them stable conditions, they're never going to ovulate for you ever. Just leave them alone. Stability. It's like, but what does everybody do with their Moloccan pythons? We'll say there's another one that's in the same boat. Right. Actually, if I had even less captive breeding. Um, right. Oh, I'll try this. And that didn't work that year. So I'll do some completely different shit the next year. Oh, that didn't work. I'll try something different the next year. Thinking that there's some magical combination of things when really the combination of things is just do the same shit for five years and they'll lay an X. It's like it's not quit stressing them out every year. You, The process of follicular maturation has a, I mean, they need to get into a seasonal annual rhythm. Right. And if you're right. moving the breeding season around, or how strong it is, you're moving the food cycle, you're muscling everything, they never get that annual rhythm established and it never happens. It's like the secret to most of this is quit messing with your snakes. Quit stressing over it. Just take, leave them alone. Take a couple leave steps back. Alone. Yeah. Leave them alone. Yeah. They didn't go this year. I'll just keep sticking with this and they'll go. It's like if you look at the people that have bred Brolin's pythons, what's the common denominator? They quit fucking with them and they weren't very big. <laughs> it's like Yeah. 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 I think the they're only all, one that they're uh... tiny, they're all like seven foot females. Those are the ones that lay eggs. The big ones don't. Yeah. It's like that should be I would say the same with yeah, white lips. You know, yeah. yeah. They're another white lips or another super high strung, twitchy snake. It's like if you're gonna get this thing out and play with it every day and keep messing with what you're doing, ah. changing your husband, <laughs> you're like, I'm not gonna get anywhere. Yeah. White lips suck. They, man. they I suck. mean they do. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I hate them. I have a bunch. I have a bunch too. I hate them. them. <laughs> just a... They become like the the thing that everybody it's... aspired to have. Because somebody took a picture with one outside and they're like, it's rainbow colored, and now I can't get a black face white lip to save my life, you know? You know what else is rainbow? Mm. I, I rainbow su- bow. I, I sent you an adult pair of black white lips some years ago. Uh, that was so. long ago. Yeah, that was yeah, long yeah. ago. Because I got sick of their shit. Yeah, I know. Like, they're, they're awful. They're yeah. freaking dreadful snakes. Like I, somebody was posting about them, you know, the other day, and I actually chimed in. I'm like, I realize this is the thing that everybody lusts after now, but you to be rudely awakened when you get one of these. <laughs> it's not. They suck. Like <laughs> I have probably. 400 adult pythons and they're my absolute least favorite to work with. They're even worse than the pythons because they're faster. Like right. they're just, I mean, oh my God, you run them out of, they run out of water for 15 minutes. They, drop, they, they don't shed, they're terrible sheds unless the humidity is perfect. Yep. They're spat out. And what's with the hairballs? Uh, the hairballs are That's disgusting. A That's a weird thing. Yeah. It's a weird thing that, that, Ring python, there shouldn't be a Leo python, shouldn't be a genus. They should all be Bothrochylus. All genetics of yes. the show <laughs> that they are one lineage, and that you know, uh, every study supports that, but they seem and they seem very reluctant to actually do it synonymize them in that situation where you know they're the same. Bothrochylus is the older genus, so they would all revert to Bothrochylus. Uh, but ring pythons also cough up hairballs. Uh, they're the only pythons that do that, uh, as the rings and the white lips. Uh, but nobody's really studied why. Hmm. Um, it, it's just kind of one of those, I guess, there's, I don't know. No, there's been no academic sort of research into why these obscure uh, right. random animals pop up hairballs, and nobody right. else does. 
yeah. interesting sort of, I don't know. They're, they're cool, but they're not any fun. Yeah, no. You guys actually, I almost forgot I had to do this show tonight, and I was cleaning the baby room, and I've got this baby room and grow-out room, and there's five white lips in there, and I was getting ready to have to do the old clean-and feed trick. They're so psychotic. They Here's your food. <laughs> I have to feed them very small meals only because I don't want them to grow too fast because I have to feed them every week because I can't clean them otherwise. Yeah. So I distract them with a rat, and while they're killing that rat, I'm cleaning as fast as I can and it's because they are not having it. Yeah. Not having it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a great trick, by the way. You know, you just feed them and then, you know, <laughs> do yeah, what you have to do. <laughs> Back, yeah. You ever work with like cannon bars and stuff? It's like, well, yeah, that's the only way you're ever going to clean that cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fill their mouth with something else and then you can. And it doesn't it. matter if they're captive bred or wild caught at all. No. It doesn't matter. No. I have five white lips. I have a pair of black ones and a pair of gold ones, both of which were produced by Ryan, and I have a wild caught gold one, and they're all equally horrible. <laughs> you know, I've noticed that F1 uh, poplin carpets. I don't know. I, well, obviously we don't have, I, well, maybe we've had at some point F1 carpet pythons, but the poplins are evil. They are evil. Like, I like that, though, because they eat good. Yeah. They, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do. That's I, no I, doubt. It's like if, I wish they were a little hardier, and not that they are weak or not hardy, but if you had to rank all of the carpet python complex and their kind of durability rating, they're the weakest. Uh, yeah, they're... Yeah, they're I equatorial. Agree. They they don't experience a bunch of temperature fluctuation. It's much mm. more temperature stable. Right. So they don't really. That's why they're so easy to breed. They don't need much stimulus uh, to get the job done. And whereas, like a Brettles python, if you drop the IJs, I just said IJs, Freudian slip. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Damn. I know. We don't say the I word on Not this anymore. Uh, yeah. oh, oh, no. <laughs> Season one. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, those guys, they're, I don't know. The babies, I find them, they are snappy, but they calm down pretty quickly and they eat really good. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah all the, I breed, well, everything but Imbricata. And it is, it's nice. They're the easiest babies to get feeding, yeah. even though they have. Probably the shortest captive lineage. They're the closest. I mean, even ones from wild caught parrots doesn't matter. They just eat. It's like awesome. Yeah. Some of these yeah, other they're... Um, So uh, I guess we would have to talk about the hypo tigers. You yeah. posted them up. I don't know if it was today yeah. or yesterday or holy super hell. hypo tigers. Super. Thank you. Uh, right. I'm actually kind super. of stuck on morph project for one. That's like, weird. Like, <laughs> right? Like I. I don't know what it is. I have some good stuff this year for me anyway. I had some Duns Pythons for the first time. Mm. I had Stangolan for the first time. Nice. I had some other stuff in my secret pile of snakes, I guess. But, I mean, <laughs> I, I, got, I had some good stuff. and I, But those, I just keep staring at. I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, quality of striping, it's like I'm just like blown away. I mean, my male hypo tiger is the second best one on the planet. Right. And that's Paul wasn't going to send me the best one. <laughs> yeah. Like, he has two really good ones. I'm like, I'm getting the, you're sending me the brother. The one He's got one that's even more ridiculous, like just insane. Yeah. And the, I'm, I'm really just overjoyed at the. Jesus. Uh, and that was from a, to a non-striped female. 
Uh, but wow. that's has, insane. Tiger is quite clearly and has been for a while a polygenic trait. Uh, the Paul bred the original hypo male, his original hypo male to a tiger from Jason Balaam that I sent him like 12 years ago. Because mm-hmm. yeah. they had tiger coastals in Europe. So I sent Paul's 12 or 13 years ago, I sent him four females from Jason Balaam and 1.4. Mm-hmm. And he still has all those girls. And that way he bred that hypo male to that. And that's where oh, my, uh, out of the very first clutch, there was a bunch of hypos, a bunch of not hypos, and there was one pair of hypos that weren't striped at all. And that's the pair I got, because he wasn't going to let me have the, the first hypo striped. <laughs> <laughs> he the ball. Well, I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't play right. Yeah. But they have a tiger mother, and even though they're not striped, I produced a female hypo tiger in 2019 right from breeding two non-striped snakes but because they have that in their ancestry it lined up well enough to produce one reasonably striped snake out of a whole clutch um but this year yeah because that tiger ancestor on the mother's side the that male hypo tiger it, it really i'm just i expected a lot of tigery stuff but i didn't expect there's really only one animal in there i wouldn't sell as a tiger and even it is more striped than some of the stuff I see people selling. Like tigers. <laughs> like, dude, I, have you noticed that? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, it's like, uh, it's not like a recessive gene. It's a phenotype. And if it's not striped, it's not a tiger. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you had some tiger parentage. It's not a it bloodline. Will, it will throw day. tigers, but it itself is not maybe, a tiger. I mean, yeah. It's, maybe. It's it's hard to say. Yeah. It's the, so it's I a got phenotype. I got I got a question res, uh, in, involving tigers. Um, I, I don't know what your experience are, but Owen and I both every time we you know breed tigers of, of any type, right? You know, um, it seems thing. that yeah, the tail is the hardest thing to get to be striped. The tail, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot of that, where it's like a almost there, <laughs> and there's like a break right at the yes, corner. <laughs> just a little bit further. Know, I noticed that. Why that's the case, I don't know. It's Tiger seems to be, I mean, with polygenic traits, you don't really know how many genes you're talking about, are you? Once it's more than one or two, you really can't, if they're all doing the same thing, you can't separate out and parse out how many you're dealing with. You can kind of get a rudimentary idea mm-hmm. if it's right. a few or a lot. With the hypobridals, I don't think it's more than four. I think it's three or four. It's that small of a number based oh, wow. on, okay. well, I've done stupid things like the number of babies I have raised to adult or near adult just for the sake of experimentation, you wouldn't believe. I raised a clutch of 16 Reynolds pythons for five years. The whole clutch. Still have most of them. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> I bred a hypo to a non-hypo. Right. I mean, they were hypo head stripes. I just kept all 16 of them. Eventually, at like three or four years, I sent a group of some of them as at a nearly adult size to Paul in Europe. But right. I still have the rest of them. So I could see what they look like as babies and what these you know, diluted hypos, what they aged out and looked like. And if I would have sold them as babies or as you know, six-month-old snakes, I would have completely drawn the wrong conclusion. Mm-hmm. Holding them back that whole time, you kind of see, and then breeding their offspring in another generation on the road and seeing how those turned out over the course of a couple of years, you start to be able to piece it together. It looks like it's a small number of genes. One gene is doing 50% of the heavy lifting. Uh, a lot of people don't realize there's different black pigment isn't just black pigment. Uh, you have it's a pigment distribution mutation. It doesn't 
the hypomelanism in brettles pythons and in coastal carpets and boa constrictors for that matter. Uh, it's not a mutation that affects the ability to produce black pigment. It's a mutation that breaks down the distribution of that pigment, which is a very different thing. Right. The definition of hypomelanism hmm. is just literally less black. That's all it means. You can get there by two different means. You can have a, basically a dilute gene that affects pigment synthesis, which boogers up the ability to produce properly formed melanin. Uh, we tend to call these things T-positive albinos now because it sounds way sexier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if, if there was no such thing as a hypo-Honduran milk snake and they found that now, it'd be a T-positive albino milk snake. True. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing. It is affecting the ability to synthesize that pigment, and it's only partway there, so it's kind of purpley. But the amount of surface area covered by that black pigment even though it's not the right color is unchanged the other type in boas and brettles and coastals and a bunch of other species is a pigment distribution mutation they can make the pigment just fine but it affects the quantity whereas the other affects the quality and that's a very different mechanism mm -hmm. and you see in the latter type the the former the is always recessive uh, the uh, t-positive albino pigment synthesis type is always recessive and the pigment distribution type is always incomplete dominant even in Brettles pythons, where it's more than one gene, right. all the genes are incomplete. All of the genes that contribute to that phenotype are incomplete dominant. In the case of Brettles, it looks like there's one gene that's doing about 50% of the work, a core sort of gene. And that seems to silence the pigment distribution that occurs right out of the egg, so they hatch out visibly hypomelanistic. But as if you ever raised Brettles pythons, and I know you guys have, they're getting that second round of black pigment that comes in at about three, four feet long as they start getting to subadult size. They get another round of black pigment. Yep. That second round is governed by different genes than the first round. So you, that core gene in the hypobridals knocks out the base layer. The other genes that are in the mix don't even come into play until they silence that later distribution of black pigment. And the combination of all of those things is you start out with very little and you end with very little. Wow. Okay. okay. I've been able to figure all that out. It's only taken me a decade. <laughs> only a decade. Of yeah. raising countless bread line. Yeah, it's like... I got to do it all, all this stuff. I got to do it with these hypo-coastals. Are those super hypos? I'm pretty confident they are, but you got to prove that out. Like, I've got... So I have to hold back really nice tiger normals that aren't hypos from that same... Because I had some nice ones. Yeah. There's only one nice one, you know, And then I will... I will use those to test breed any of the putative supers to non-hypo animals to see are they actually supers. Once I've proven out five or six supers, you can kind of look for common traits and try to, is there any sort of way to tell by looking definitive, if there's any definitive indicators that it's a homozygote, I don't know. There's just not enough data. So somebody's right. And nobody wants to do the work anymore. Everybody wants to just wait for somebody else to do it. And I guess, I guess that falls to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just... being, being, the, being the carpet king comes yeah, with uh, heavy you know, lies the crown. Uh, it's like, heavy yeah. lifting, man. You know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, uh, what about the the whole? The, you know, I, I I argue with people a lot about the whole thing that uh, hypo is just another version of uh, the caramel gene. gene. Yeah, and you know, what, what what's your what do you what do you say to them? Oh, they haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Thank you for that open answer. Yeah. For everybody in the back, it, it, they are not the same gene. They are not even related. They are not at the same locus. They are not compatible. 
They are right. wholly separate and completely different things. Do they share phenotypic similarities? Yes. That does not mean they are the same thing. Right. They are, well, you, there's always a good ball python analogy. Since everybody knows all about those. Like, there's four different leucistic ball python complexes. They're all yeah. unrelated, separate, loca different locations. They're incompatible. And there's multiple genes that make a white snake at each of those. You've got the fire, the black-eyed leucistic complex of several genes that all, any combination of them or by themselves will make a black-eyed leucistic mm. that is not compatible with the yellow belly complex, of which there's about 27 and most of them look like nothing, makes a white snake that's not compatible with the black-eyed leucistic. There's the blue-eyed leucistics, of which there's like eight or nine of those. They're all compatible with each other, but not compatible with the other two. And then there's the dead leucistic complex, the hidden gene woma, spider, champagne. Any combination of them or their own homozygotes are dead white snakes, and they're not compatible with any of the others. Uh, so that's, I guess that's it. It's like it's just, it, you might have, they're all identifiable. If mm -hmm. you look at a blue-eyed Lucy, a black-eyed Lucy, a dead Lucy, or a, you know, you can tell the difference between them phenotypically. They have similarities, uh, but they are not, se they are separate things. So um, caramel and hypo are pretty much the same. They're separate. They're not the same thing. They, they don't look the same, really. Like they're I, not that way, yeah. I keep trying to show this to people. Like, I've, it was a couple of years ago I posted, in 2019, when I produced my first super hypo. Yeah. Like, she's a freaking mouser, so it's going to take me a while to prove <laughs> that she's a super. Great. Because, of course, she's a mouser. Yeah. And won't even give me the courtesy of eating chickens or something, so it's taken a minute. <laughs> but uh, she should be eating, like, weaned rats or medium rats, but i got to do it with mice. So it's just going to take a couple extra years, probably. Right. Uh, but yeah, it, I, I, when that had hatched, I posted a picture of like, here's a freshly hatched caramel mm -hmm. and a freshly hatched, hatched hypo. hypo. Yeah. On, on sitting on top of each other. So you can see them. And they were as clear as day. They were not the same thing. Mm. And then I did the same thing. Here is a super hypo and a super caramel that hatched five days apart. And they were sitting there right together. And they are completely looking like from different planets. There's no similar, other than they have less black pigment than normal and are reddish orangish. Other than that, they are very different. Um, I mean, if you like caramels better, awesome. That's I cool. Like, yeah. like, whether it's entirely subjective as to whether, you know, if you find one you like better or that's, that's just purely opinion, uh, you know, but it, they, to say that they're the same is just, you know, belies a complete ignorance and stuff like this has been, you know, science the shit out of this i mean this is like <laughs> when paul was proving out that the hypos were separate were, was proving out the hypo thing like i was he's talks to me all the time and i'm like telling him exactly what to do i made him do mm. four test breedings four clutches that were very strategic to prove that to, i said you're gonna want to sell these and the first thing somebody's gonna say that's just a caramel right you need to settle that it was obvious they weren't caramels but they might be compatible with caramels, in which case you have like an allelic thing where it's just like a it's maybe a slightly stronger version of that same sort of thing at the same locus. I go, you have to answer that question before you sell them. So we did four clutches. They are absolutely not. It took two generations and like 80 babies. He bred a hypo to a caramel. Yeah. Made animals that were obviously hypo caramels because they were glowing in the dark. They were <laughs> beyond the range of any a caramel or a hypo makes by itself it was obvious what they were then raised them up for mm -hmm. a few years then bred them to females that could not produce red babies that had a proven track record and had never they were just 
incapable of making any sort of rent baby at all. Right. No Darwin, no nothing. Uh, and the results were, it, it would be obvious, if they were a lelic, then you would make no normal babies. You'd make half caramels and half hypos and no normals and no combos. Right. And it would be obvious. The presence of even a single normal in any of those clutches disproved that they were compatible. And there was no normals in any, there were normals in every single clutch. Right. In roughly 25%. And they were obvious hypo caramels in every clutch. Uh, or what appeared to be in every clutch. And there were, you know, it's like, I don't even care if you can identify the mm. hypo caramel with accuracy. It's like, you can surely identify the normals. Normal, yeah. <laughs> in every clutch. And that's and it. The sample size was with a sample size of nearly 80 babies. It was, there's no way this is, they are not the same thing. It's like, you may not, you don't have to like hypos or caramels or either one for that matter, but you can't say they're the same thing. Right. That right. has been, if you're, if you're going to still make that argument, then you just probably don't like me or Paul or whatever. Or, you're, or you just haven't been like you refuse to like listen. Just, yeah. Like yeah. Just listen in the wind at that yeah, point. Like yeah. it is. <laughs> you can say that you don't like it. That's that's your opinion. That's fine. But it's like you can't. Can't deny it. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 Hundred yeah. percent. Well, we live in a world where people can deny just about anything. That is true. That is, <laughs> that is true. A shocking percentage of people are entirely fact resistant. Right. Yeah. No, matter. no matter how much evidence you put in front resistant. of them, I enjoy that one. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't reason with people that are fact resistant mm, because what's right. your argument is you're going to use facts and science and data to convince somebody their opinion is wrong but if their opinion was not derived from was derived in the absence of facts and reason and data they're not going to be swayed by evidence they are resistant to right yeah that's unfortunate so it's yeah. like all right cool i guess vaccines cause autism awesome like you know, carry on thank yeah, you all right have fun <laughs> Put on um, your hat or whatever it's like it's you're not going to convince those people of clear and unequivocal science because they don't believe in science. That's why they have these opinions. You're not going to convince the flat earther that the earth is a sphere with facts <laughs> in science. Right. Somewhere there's a flat earther right now driving an Uber. You've been the GPS with using geosynchronous satellites that are orbiting the earth and not right. seeing the irony in that. Right. <laughs> there's a guy that somewhere that guy exists right now. <laughs> Uh, that's awesome um you know me and owen were talking about stripes the other day and um one of the things that uh came came up and i figured you would be the guy to ask right when you have a recessive stripe gene like in in brettles right yeah um is that have you done any kind of selective breeding with that can you selectively breed can you refine a recessive it trait like that can you can you you know selectively breed that stripe there's no hard answer on that. It okay. does not respond well to that. <laughs> okay. You can't say you can't do it. Right. Because ultimately the phenotype of an animal, we focus on the mutant, the mutant gene, you know, right. uh, as if that was magical and controlled all aspects of color and pattern characteristics. When really there's right. a myriad of genes that affect color and pattern and you just have one broken one, but the other ones still have some influence over the end product, so to speak. So right. it is possible that there are other alleles floating around at, that, you know, at a different locus that might influence or might play better with the stripe and give you a better result. Uh, I have tried, and it doesn't seem I've gotten basically nowhere with that. Right. Okay. 
Uh, but, and here's the big but, mm. uh, in that is within the Lazic bloodline that the Stripe came from in the with. When you mix hypo stuff with Stripe stuff, weird things happen. Uh, in that you start getting het stripes that are striped. I produced hypo het stripes that were so striped I couldn't tell if they were visual stripes or hets. But technically, they were only possible hets in some cases. The stripe gene is recessive in its relationship to wild type. And you make, I've made a million double head stonewashed stripes. Not a million, I've made probably 40 double head stonewashed (laughs) stripes. I made a couple, I made a clutch of just het genetic stripes to send to Paul when I sent him all that other frontal stuff. Mm. I made him just that. There wasn't a striped snake or a partially striped snake. They were completely stone cold normal, Mm. all of them, every time. Right. Make hypo hats to read a stripe to a hypo, and all of a sudden you get a lot of weird stripey stuff. A lot of weird stripey stuff. Right. Wow. If you look at my website now, you'll see like a, a good handful of hypos that are they're fifty percent hypo blood, but they're second generation fifty percent, which is genetically works out a little different in those sort of things. But uh, than a first generation fifty percent animal, but. They're 66% head stripe. And you can just go down the list and tell which ones are head stripe because it's really obvious. They have really aberrant patterns, dorsal striping, and then right. they'll be like, and one third of them will be completely banded, normal looking snakes. <laughs> really, really, really abundantly clear. If you want to make hypo stripes, which ones you should probably get. Right. Really yeah. clear. Gotcha. Uh, that only happens with hypo. And I don't think. Wow. But the hypo alleles, I think there's something in that bloodline of Brettles pythons that is probably uh-huh. plays nicer with the stripe. Gotcha. Uh, the hypomelanistic genetic stripes that I've made, uh, which I've made seven, every single one of them is ludicrously striped. Like, they look like the best tiger coastal you ever saw, but it's a Brettles python. They have flawless, perfect stripes in a way that the normal stripe gene never gets to, usually. Right. Uh, and even the stripes that aren't hypos from those clutches, because you get a small percentage that won't really be hypomelanistic enough to even say hypomelanistic. You just, it's a glorified normal. <laughs> they have perfect, crazy stripes. So something in that other bloodline of brettles plays nice with it. And so it, that might be evidence that they're, you know, if there are other alleles in other bloodlines, you could select four in a project. It does suggest you can refine and make better genetic stripes. Because I made non hypo genetic stripes that are insane, but you're, I think you have to borrow some alleles from that other bloodline because there doesn't seem to be enough in the Lazic line to really do a lot if you stick with it at one point. Hmm. And I've never hmm. right striped an Afors or a Harris line animal or anything. It's possible right. that you might get better results there too. I don't, I don't know. I've never tried. Gotcha. That's too many, cool. too many projects. Yeah, man. Enough time and space, you know. <laughs> it's nuts. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do. Do you need some brettles python adults? Like mm. eight or ten adult? N- like no, that? I'm I'm tapped with my like five, like you I know. I got like two point two. I got two uh, two pairs of hypo genetic stripes that are growing on and getting big, and I got two pairs of hypo stonewash het for stripe. Jesus. There's two point two of those. I've got, and this year, oh, I've got. 3.3 hypo stonewash, full blood hypo visual stonewash that are, you know, they should all be ready, but they won't be because I don't, I mean, I, got, I can't feed everything that much. <laughs> but I got some, but I'll probably be able to try for a clutch of just breeding them to each other. Uh, wow. Yeah, it's, cool. it's too many snakes. It's too many snakes. You know, I when when we think of uh, when we're talking bread lie, you had done that talk. Uh, where did you do that? Um, 
the one that uh, I think you and Justin both did a talk. You did it on carpets, and it was it was, it was a, maybe 2019. You did it. Uh, the Herpeton Symposium. That's it. There you go. Yeah, you put up a picture. You know, one of the things that 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 like you know herp and seeing carpets in the wild or whatever, and you see how they like kind of like just blend into their environment. You had this picture. I don't I I don't know if it was your picture or whose picture it was, but um, you see like the tail of the the bread lie, and it's like right inside this rock, and it's like camouflage perfect. And you know, because you you would always think like, uh, why is the tail darker than? you know, the rest of them or whatever. I don't know. I saw that picture. Picture was taken by a friend of mine. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Oh, so you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He, of course, he used to be like a ZooMed sales rep. And he just like was there for some work-related thing and just went out there. Oh, look, a brittle spider. Because apparently (laughs) Damn it. It's not easy for everybody but me. Uh, (laughs) Apparently, they're just hanging out waiting to be discovered. Unless I He's not even in the carpets at all. Like, they just, they just stumbled of course, upon that's it. That's the way yeah. it all is. Yeah. And he's a reptile guy for sure, but he's not right. a carpet guy. He just is right. Alice Springs and then. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. There yeah. it is. Like, Note the self. When we go to Alice Springs, though, and don't take Nick because he's going to find yeah, a he's, red he's light. He's oh, mark. Yeah. <laughs> I've been up to Top End twice. I have yet to see an Owen Belly Five. I've been there twice. I was just thinking about that the other day. Uh, some something popped up, and I was just like, "Wow, we! I can't believe we actually found." Dude, I'm getting itchy. Things. I want to go herping again. Like we just went looking for rattlesnakes, but I want to do like a trip, yeah. like for pythons, for like actual shit. I'll try know, it, yeah. but nobody ever invites me to go, so. Uh. <laughs> We well, gotta go first. Is get yeah. the lockdown. We're just, yeah, we're just going in our backyard here. Yeah, going yeah. herping. Assemble an entourage or something and organize a herp trip. That yeah Hell yeah man. Yeah, we can. Oh yeah. Try to go to in September. I'm trying to go down and hang out with Brandon Wheeler and David Hasten in San Diego and look for Rosie Bows again. But cool. I've got like a carpet fest in, on the 18th of September. I've got a reptile expo in the town I live in on the 11th of September. It's like it's, these contraband, these contraband carpet fests that are popping up without our without with, without our blessing. What's going on with this hey, crap? This is like the eighth time. <laughs> yeah. I might have encouraged them to do it too. I'm like, <laughs> might, might have pushed that up, pushed yeah. that rock over that cliff. Yeah. He's like, well, the East Coast guys don't want to do it, so let's somebody get the West Coast people to do it. Yeah. If you're freaked out about the Rona still and you're not vaccinated, then stay the fuck home. Like, I mean, like, like I, I'm so over it at this yeah. point. Like, look, it made nice. I did play by all the silly rules. Like, got my vaccination on the very first day possible, as did everyone else in my house. Like, I'm like, right. I'm kind of over this. Like, if you you want to, you know, roll the dice and believe in conspiracy theories, and it's kind of like social Darwinism at that point. It's like, well, I guess <laughs> you're the ones who are going to get it, and, and one half of one percent of you dinglings are going to die. That's what's going to happen. Right. Good luck, everybody. I can't yeah. probably worry about that one half of one percent of the dinglings anymore. Uh, it's like, we told you. Yeah, the planet could use a few less people, but now that we went down that dark road. Yeah, that was really statistically significant enough to make a dent in that, but it is pulling from the right pile of people. Though. Right. It's kind of those the those facts. I just like in my old age, like I just like to meet patients for people that don't believe in science and there's other crackpot conspiracy theories. It's like you know, you can argue about 
facts, but you got to be objectively looking at the same set of facts. You can't just make up your own facts and <laughs> right ignore the others. Yes. Yeah, everybody's a fucking expert. Everybody's because they watched a YouTube video. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> If your research into a subject involves sitting on a toilet and looking at YouTube, you're not researching anything. <laughs> you're Damn not. It. It's like, I had people argue with me. It's like, oh my god, like one of my good friends is literally a virologist. Like, yeah. literally a virologist. Like, like, I have a literally a virologist on speed dial. Like, this is like, <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Every, um, everything's a conspiracy. Go get the free shot. Shut up about it. <laughs> Yeah, just be done with this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it, it, I, I am done. I am 100% not playing. I am done with this. Like, I am out. Yeah. yeah. We, will, we will get a carpet fest going at some point. Um, we just have to convince I'm Eric to... I'm disappointed in you guys, frankly. I thought you'd do it this year. I kind of well, tried to... We, we, have to, we have to convince Eric to destroy his very newly put-back-together house. So it... Is that what it is? <laughs> is it mainly just Eric doesn't want to wreck his house? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, 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 I got Wheeler Wheeler and off the roof, you know? I need to cancel my, my tip to go look for rough scales and dive with whale sharks because of this. Oh, I, to oh. get I need oh, to get on a God, plane yeah. and go damn. somewhere. Yeah. You were like us. We were actually I will days. settle for a carpet vest and a cheesesteak. I'll settle <laughs> <Yeah>. for that. <laughs> I will. We were days away from leaving from Western Australia, like literally days yeah. away. And you guys were in the same the same oh, situation. Yeah, and I bought everybody's ticket. I was there. There's a moment where I'm like, oh my god, I have ten thousand dollars in airfare that I just paid for for everybody in my group. I just just to make it easier to get all the seats booked together. It's just easier if you one person pays. And right. Right. And they're like, oh shit. I mean, the airline was really good about you know refunding it all, but there was a minute where I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I just left it as credit, so that way <laughs> going back at some <laughs> point. Yeah, there, you know? yeah. Yeah, um, I. Yeah, that's so much to see. Two thousand, you know, twenty-two. Maybe they'll open up. It's like you guys are out of your minds. Yeah. Country's biggest export is tourism. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that, now that I'm into uh, monitor lizards, which we had a little bit of a rant before. <laughs> monitor <laughs> yeah, lizards, but, uh, are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. Show. No, yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, man, when you start to see the other Australian reptiles besides the pythons, then you start to, uh, I don't know, you're like, oh, shit, I got to look at that, too. I got I got to pay attention to this. And, it know. leads for a lot of like days of no sleep, though, when you're in Australia. Because it's like, oh, well, during the day, you're chasing monitors. And then at twilight, at dawn and dusk, you're looking at for blue-tongued skinks because they're active. Right. And then at night, you're looking for pythons. And then you sleep on the plane on the way home. Yeah. And that's it. Right. <laughs> It's like the whole yeah, way home. Much. Yeah, you're just surviving on caffeine, meat pies, and adrenaline. It's pretty uh, much. Uh, Icebreakers and whatever you can find at Ice the. Break- oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. man, they're the best. <laughs> they are oh, the best. <laughs> my last trip to Australia, I gained 17 pounds in 13 days. Yeah. <laughs> Which, considering that a, a pound of body fat is the equivalent is in calories, worth that to be 3,500 calories. That shouldn't be physiologically possible to gain that much weight in that period of time, unless you were eating like literally would have to eat. I don't have to be eating like nine thousand calories a day or something just insane. But mm. somehow, apparently, eating sausage rolls and meat pies while sitting on your ass driving around all day—that'll yeah, do it. Yeah, apparently, it's the ice cream. Yeah. They push you over the edge. Yeah, yeah. 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 
Love those things. Oh, oh my goodness. Especially you get those like out of the way little roadhouses in the middle of nowhere and they like make their own sausage yes. rolls. There's like a lot easier. And then the big fatty ones and they're so good. <laughs> and they tell yeah. you to put ketchup on them. And I'm like, I'm not fucking putting ketchup on them. I want this right <laughs> now. Yeah. And you know what? It's awesome with ketchup. It's yeah. totally it's like it just you just gotta do it. It's just, oh. there's yeah. a place over in Seattle in the Seattle area, south to south of Seattle, where it's some Aussie guy runs it. It's the Aussie Australian Meat Pie Company, <laughs> and you can get real authentic Australian meat pies made by a real authentic Australian dude. Dude, and it's oh. glorious. It's right by the airport, so I do international shipments on those rare occasions. Like I have to, do, I have to do an international shipment. I will stop and get some meat pies. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that, that is fantastic yeah yeah and everybody that does, you know i remember when the first time you were telling me you have to eat the meat pie you have to eat the meat pie i'm like what oh, is yeah. this meat pie you're talking yeah. about and then I, I pull over to the gas station and eat the meat pie i'm like oh yeah this is glorious <laughs> it is <laughs> like glorious. people don't realize when you go on a trip to australia like that it's not just about the reptiles you see because a lot of times you no. don't see anything mm-hmm. you're just yeah. It's the whole experience. You got to eat. You go. I've traveled around the world a lot, and it's you want to experience the culture. You eat the crazy food. You do all the stuff and the things and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. Eating the, the food, and you just got to embrace it. It's awesome. Yeah, I think I ate a burger with like beets on it. Like and I'm like, yeah, whatever it is, man. Yeah. You know what? It's weird too, yeah. but it's great. Like, oh, I don't know. The, the, the better places you get, like, it's fresh beetroot that's sliced, not canned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's I, like, and then it just turns into like pink juice that's running down your hands. I don't get it, but it's good. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Like burger and cheese and bacon and everything else. <laughs> some beetroot oh, yeah. and fried egg. And yep. It's like just this it, like, it's, yeah. it's piled up so high. It's like, this is impossible. But yeah, you got to do yeah, it. Yeah, remember, all I couldn't even fit oh, it in yeah. my mouth. Oh, oh, yeah. It was great. It was great stuff. Defibrillator. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Last year we went up to up the Cape York Peninsula, and we stopped at the Archer River Roadhouse, which is a point of no return because right after the Archer River Roadhouse, you have to cross a river, and they close the road, and you're not able to go in the wet season. And we were pushing our luck, but we we stopped there because it's last chance civilization for a while, and they made a great burger, of course, because all those places <laughs> do. And I watched Stephen Katz eat two of them. And Holy God, shit! God. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? Like I'm, I'm not a small guy at all. But it was just—he ate one and fries, and then got another one and ate the whole thing. Just, Damn! Like, Holy shit! Yeah, no, it was—it was. I don't know. He had a death wish or something. Like that's like <laughs> I could just—I could just hear his arteries clogging. Yeah. I'm it's dancing with the devil I today. I mean, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> a young man. He'll recover quickly, you know, but Jesus. Yeah. Oh, good. oh my God. I couldn't believe yeah. anybody can eat two of those. They, wow. Yeah, I miss the Australian burgers. They do it right. <laughs> and sometimes I'll get like, a pineapple ring on some of them. You'll get like a pineapple. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> what do we Sweet, got savory, bacon, salty, whatever, man. It's everything. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. These people order a cheeseburger. What do we got in the fridge? Just throw it on top of that thing. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah, I think got, Australia's got great food. Yeah. So uh, how's the book coming yeah. out? What's going on with that? Oh, man. I knew you were going to ask me about that. I mean, <laughs> it, it is really a 
I figured I'd warm you up with some talk of burgers. I don't have to answer questions about it anymore. Every day, it's like I get like multiple emails a day. Hey, what's up? Who going to be out? The release announcement is Nick here. Now shut the hell up. I mean, there have been a lot of delays. I will say with absolute confidence, it will be worth the wait. And it will be, people will ultimately be glad that it was delayed. Okay. Because it will be better for it. It has exponentially grown in scope and scale from the first edition. It is hundreds of pages longer. It's wow. like basically the first book rewritten and then another book added on top of that book. There's, I think, three or four chapters that weren't in the first edition. Uh, every chapter is probably 30% longer. Just like, okay, for example, like the morph section before. Mm, right. Uh, the text, if you, the text file for that not all the pictures, just the actual written words on the page in the first edition is only about three and a half pages long. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a brief introduction and then little blurbs about what you're looking at. It's just a right. picture. Down. The text for the new version is 23 pages long. Holy shit. Oh, shit. And I haven't even written anything about morphs, about the, what any picture is. That's just, there is a much more, there's an in-depth discussion about how morphs work. When an albino, what makes an albino? What what's the nature of that mutation? How is it breaking this process to produce an amelanistic animal or whatever? So you kind of a glimpse into the the mechanisms at play that uh, morphs bring about these alternate phenotypes. There is a section on basically. So you think you got a new morph? Here's what you need to do to this out. Yes. <laughs> like, Excellent. People that don't want to do it the right way. It's like if you've got something, you think it's something, and it probably isn't. Because frankly, most things aren't. I've proven out a few morphs, and I've had a lot more that didn't prove out. Yep. It's the nature of it. The odds are against anything proving out. But you have to prove you have to do the work. And it doesn't matter what it is, you have to do a C you have to take all of your available data mm-hmm. that you can be confident in and you construct a series of experimental test breedings in which you remove all other possibilities and you arrive at what the only thing can it can be. And that's what you do. And nobody wants to do it anymore. They always want to jump right to, oh, they bred some weird thing and they start selling heads straight away because they're, you know, they cash those checks. And they inevitably, not always, but very often end up, you know, and I don't know whether it's people do this out of just a, desire to defraud people or just because they just believe their own bullshit. Right. It's right. like they, they want to believe it so badly that they suspend all disbelief and just like jump right to the, to the conclusion that they want rather than the conclusion that the evidence that evidence supports. And so there's a section on how you prove out. What are the steps? What do you need to do to prove out that sort of thing? Nice. And if you go through all these steps and it, you, you'll know it's not, you Most wrote that people. for the reduced pattern diamond people, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that for the reduced it's pattern diamond people. I'm sitting here looking at one, and I swear to God, if I have to be the one to figure it out, we have a problem. I really don't like diamond pythons. I'll admit that. I mine are all jerks. They all hate me. I don't because I never feed them. Right. They're diamond pythons, which is right. why. I have <laughs> right. My, my parent in my living room are 13 years old and. Just barely big enough to breed this last year. Just barely. Right. <laughs> Took over a decade to get them up to breeding size. Granted, I surely could have done it safely faster than that. But right. Uh, but yeah, this is not. This is a knowable thing. 
it is one of there really are only three possibilities. It's one of three because <laughs> yeah. it is heritable. There's no question that it's heritable. So you, right. the not genetic at all is not one of the options. It's right. completely dominant. It's recessive or it's a polygenic thing. Right. And it's one of the three. <clears throat> and, you know, I think everybody, I don't know. There are problems with Diamond Python community, I will say. I don't think that comes as any surprise to you guys. No. There are a lot of <laughs> attitudes and egos and stuff. There, there's yeah. a problem with every community. It gets, way, it gets in the way of uh, discovery, I think. Yeah. Um, and I honestly don't care enough to do it myself. Like I have so much stuff to prove out and get figured out. I just wanted to breed Diamond Pythons to say I bred them, frankly. Right. Uh, so yeah. I, I had a pair of reduced pattern ones, but um, the female committed suicide several years ago. Oh. When younger, you ever use the old school, like the disposable water bowls where it's got a lid on it and there's a hole cut in a big hole cut in the lid? Yeah. Yes. It's an old colubrid thing from way back. Works great. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is like a three and a half foot long snake and that's its water bowl and it crawled inside of it mostly. Like it got so in there and got stuck half of its body was wedged in there with its head down underwater and I, I found it it had been there for a long time probably a day and it had like brain damage from oxygen deprivation it was all gurped out for never was right again and then died about a year later it was just like it, it like waterboarded itself like what the hell is <laughs> yeah. Yeah. one wow. of those freak things you'll never I'll never see that again for the rest of my life that will never happen again dude again right. we were talking the pregame these, thing like the pre-show when we were talking about like the like the horrible mistakes and all that bullshit. Like again, this I is one of them. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I don't think that was a mistake on my part. No, no, no. I don't know on its own, on own, the own stupid animals. Well, like, come on. Right. I think it's important for people to understand as hobbyists that everybody fucks up. Yep. We all do dumb things. We all make mistakes, and everybody always wants to do the same thing. They try to live this alternate reality on social media where everything's perfect and everything's great. And look at what I'm doing. Isn't this awesome? And everything's sunshine and roses <laughs> and unicorns. And it's awesome. There's no and problems in my awesome. collection. Right. We all get big. We get kissed and shit on. Snakes die. Things don't breathe. They slug out. Apparently they commit suicide sometimes. <laughs> like dogs have a tiny hole. And things right. happen. It doesn't yeah. always go to script. It, Often, and it's, it's a never-ending sort of cacophony of things that go wrong. And if everybody never talks about it, I think there's a tendency for people as hobbyists to like get down on themselves and think they screwed up or that they made some grievous error, and right. maybe they did. But it's like we're all done it, and there's you know there's some comfort in knowing you didn't. It's like you're not going to make a mistake I've never made because I like <laughs> I found them all at yeah. this point. Like I can't like I say that, and then I find new ones still. Like, <laughs> you, we are all human. We all screw up. You just right. dust yourself off and get back on the horse and keep going. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't get discouraged by failures. Learn from it. Yeah. I don't make the same mistakes twice. That's, That's the, the only thing I've ever going to die in that water bowl thing in the history of herpeticulture. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen again. I've had a lot of freak weird things, but they only happen once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, never repeat. It's like a. Like, like when I killed my Angolan python clutch a couple of years ago, never make that mistake again. <laughs> well, this year you hatched them out, yeah. right? So there you yeah, go. It's yeah, a lot better I, when there's success. I kind of wonder if they're all if they're partho babies. Though, <laughs> <it's not laughs> my last two clutches, oh, I have inland carpets that are hatching. As soon as I get off the phone, I gotta 
go pull them out of the incubator room, but they have some inland carpets. But I hatched the Dunn's clutch, and then a few days later, the uh, mm, uh <laughs> hatched, and both clutches were entirely female. But wait, huh. both the all the Dunn are female. Yes. He says having a lone male Dunai and knowing that now he knows who to call. Yeah. <laughs> it, <clears throat> I have produced a, I have had a lot of suspected partho stuff. If you know what you're looking for, I think it's way more common. I know it's way more common. Um, I've had a few where it was obvious where there's a morph involved where you couldn't possibly not be a partho thing. Uh, but I've had others where you get like, I had a run of, 37 consecutive females over three clutches from a, a pair of Nova Guinea carpets. Yeah. I bred that. I bred the pair four times, never saw them breed ever, but they were in a place where it's kind of hard to look in their cage. The first clutch was one male and seven females. I held back the only male in the clutch and one of the females. Uh, second clutch was 12 females. Third clutch was 13 females. Fourth clutch was like seven females and like five or six more dead in the shell, full term died. I let her maternally incubate. She didn't do a good job. I sexed the dead ones that were full term in the egg, and they were all females. The statistical probability of hatching, even if you throw out the one male to seven female ratio of the first clutch, just mm-hmm. the three consecutive clutches of all females, I think it was like 37 females in total, the statistical probability of that is billions to one. It's almost incalculable. Mm-hmm. It's well, okay. Well, like my Angolan clutch this year is six eggs, six babies, six females. The odds of being six females out of six eggs is only a one and a half percent chance. Wow! Jesus. You keep cutting that one and a half percent chance at six at seven babies. It's point zero point seven five percent of a chance. And then you right. keep cutting. Now imagine if you kept doing that thirty five more times. And you oh, get shit. to the odds where it's just as astronomical money, a lot of exponents. It's right. like it's just that it's not that. She was clearly the male wasn't doing anything or she was doing it on her own. Then I bred that pair from the first clutch years later at like nine years old. I had like five males and two females. I saw them breed <laughs> totally normal sausage. Wow. So uh, now I, I just hatched a clutch of olive pythons and I have um, 1.10 out of the olive. Yeah. Would that be considered a potential? Hang on, just don't tell me, but Got I'm gonna, were there by any chance any babies that didn't absorb their yolk properly and or sat in the egg for days after, like, everybody's hatched and then, like, there's, like, a couple just still sitting in the egg for, like, three oh, more shit. days. Oh, not good. <laughs> yes, all of, them, all of them looked, most of the girls looked like they had big, full yolks and it kind of almost like there was several... <laughs> bulges in there from the yolk? That's not actually. Okay. That's gross, but not unusual. Okay. With them. All right. But I've just seen, like, with suspected partho ones, you do get that, like, ah, there's the one that's still sitting in the egg two days after everybody else is hatched, and it didn't absorb its yolk, and it yeah. never has a first shed, and you got to cis feed it for six months, and it's a total piece of crap. Wonderful. That's your partho, baby. Okay. I have, a, I have a genetic stripe brettles from 2019. It eats weaned mo- Actually, no, I, it ate a live rat fuzzy. Oh. I got it a heart attack yesterday. I, ch- I just saw that it had eaten it today. I'm like, wow, finally it ate a rat. A live one, but I had to assist feed that thing for eight or nine months. Jeez. It's obviously a parthenogen. The clutch was 10 sexually produced babies and one partho female. Mixed. Uh, the clutch oh. were double head stonewashed genetic stripes, and there's one lone stripe. Uh 
and I know for a fact the male is not head, the male stonewash is not head first right. Right. I have bred that same pair of snakes. I, I produced all the snakes involved. I know their ancestries. And I bred that same pair of snakes for three different years. That was their third clutch together. There are no stripes. Like, they produce, like, 40-odd babies. And one stripe. Wow. All the double head snowwash stripes I've ever produced <laughs> from that same pair over three clutches. And then the last clutch, there's the 11th baby is a partho stripe. Hmm. Who wow. totally sucks. Wow. This actually seems reasonably solid now. I still kept her just because curiosity. Yeah, right. But That's so these weird. things, you know, you know, you can, you very much can have a clutch of sexually produced babies, and there's like three partho females mixed in. How would you know? You wouldn't. Your clutch, you might have a male in the mix. The statistical probability of one point ten is pretty freaking low. Like, really low. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just either suck at sex and low. Yeah, but you might have a situation where you've got like you know one point six, and then another four females that are partho babies, mm-hmm. and they're all mixed in. That there's no morphs or anything that would really like give you like a an indicator, like a random homozygous you know super zebra popping out or something. They're all a python. They all look the goddamn same. <laughs> yeah. Too. yeah. I actually like that about olives and water pythons because I'm like I have to send Eric some water pythons and I don't have to wait around bullshitting about taking pictures of them all. <laughs> Two of them throwing like, a box. <laughs> yeah. So there them. you go. Bye. Olive pythons are great. You yeah. can't even tell if you're looking at a baby or an adult if you don't have any skin. <laughs> <laughs> lighter or darker with age. It's like who gives the water name? pythons. I'm like it looks like a bigger nothing for scale like it, it <laughs> they, they all look the same they're carbon copies of them so are are olive python uh, those are feeding about ready to go if you wanted that pair of those guys yes of course you do you, yeah you 100%. yeah just you tell me one? what do you need one or two yeah. eric 12 i need two yeah super female heavy <laughs> okay. Huh. Should should I get a uh, 1.3 or something? Get a trio. Get a trio, buddy. probably wouldn't be. I've got a million people blowing me up about them, but of course your VIP status. You know, you got to take care of the. Yeah, you got some weight. <laughs> you got to take care of the big Kahuna there. You know. Uh, yeah. Last time I called Nick, he's like, "Oh crap, my." My, uh, I'm going up in the world. Owen McIntyre's calling me. I'm like, well, he does know how to make you feel good. Uh, yeah. And then, and then autograph that wild caught Mac lot you sent me. <laughs> the, one, right the one that I'm buying, I bought the female back. Yeah, Jesus. What? Like, well, that's you're talking about the um, you're talking about your Brisbane. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, I have a Brisbane male. I'm gonna have to send it to Nick, and he's gonna breed it to everything, and then he's gonna make all these clutches like every male that I send him. So, <laughs> you know, you sent me that male Mac lots, and I don't think he did breed. I, I never did saw shit. him. <laughs> But he was in the hide with her, and she's a lunatic. Well, she's so crazy, she killed the other man. Right. Yeah. Like, she's nuts. Right. Um, and I never saw him breed, but I wasn't going to open that, pull the hide box down from the <laughs> ceiling and look in. Are you kidding me? <laughs> One of the cages, like, I had to be on my knees and not in a position I could recoil fast enough. Like, I, I'm not taking a bite to the face over that. All right. <laughs> I assumed he was doing something. She went through the motions, got a great clutch, 10, there's 11 eggs. Ten eggs went the distance. Guess what the sex ratio was? Zero point ten. Holy ten shit! Yeah. yeah. Wow. No so, males in sight. It was our, all, our, all our, of a ten female clutch. It's just it's ridiculous. I think he probably just cuddled and she just did it on her own, more likely because the probability <laughs> of all ten out of ten. I mean, 
are olive pythons like blood pythons or something like that, where they're they're difficult to tell uh, male from female? Or are they pretty straightforward when you're sexy? No, they're straightforward. They're yeah. Easy. yeah. Okay. Yeah, big babies. So. Short tails are like you know. It's, are, oh my god! Holy shit! People misunderstand, so they don't aren't successful with them. But I've noticed a lot more people are being successful with them. Uh, in the last four or five years, it's like they're finally worry. listening to you. <laughs> At the same time as I haven't produced any in like four years, like go figure. Yeah. Yeah. I had this like well-oiled olive python producing machine, and then I did this terrible I thing where I spent a mountain of money to get albino olive pythons, mm. and then they got big because olives do that. And I uh, I had to only so many six foot cages, so I had to, I sent out some well-proven breeders on breeding loan to friends to make room for those albinos, which have gone on to produce nothing. They are now 10 years old, a decade. I've been messing with those things and the females have produced follicles since they were 18 months old at shockingly small sizes. I started trying to breed them at two and a half years old when they were, you know, uh, and they have, neither one has ever done anything ever. Yeah. So I just just like killed my olive python production forever. Oh, wow. Uh, I produce albinos is going to be by breeding my own head albinos. <laughs> Just raising them up. <laughs> the male albino bred two normal female olives in 2015. And I have, I have a pair of babies from 2015 that have been sitting in the back burner. I've been feeding them up now. Like, all right, I guess you guys are up. <laughs> I don't think these albino girls are ever going to do anything. Right. Holy shit. That, that, yeah, well, I my mean... only normal, and my only normal female is now 16 years old. Yeah. So she's getting to that point where, you know, you can't count on a clutch every year. So right. I mean, they're a big snake, but they're again, they're not. They're not. I mean, they don't have to be. What you know? They don't need to be huge. Feet, no, you, you know. Therein lies the secret. You know, yeah. you never yeah. see fifteen foot olive pythons on eggs <laughs> ever. Yeah. Ever. Yep. Right. Like, I had the biggest clutch I ever had was twenty eggs, which is a lot of olive python eggs. Yeah. And that female was. She was. What was she? 2002. She's like a VVI animal. At the time, she was, I think, 17 years old. Uh, and she laid a giant clutch. She laid one more clutch and then prolapsed her oviduct. The eggs didn't oh, come out of the great. oviduct. The oviduct came out of her like sausage Ooh. links. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hey. I've had that happen with carpet. Snakes, and they usually survive it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Literally amputate the oviduct and everything because it's not going back. Yeah. And then they're right. done for. Which I did, but. In her depleted state, it was a giant clutch, and she was like 18 years old. And yeah. just, she just she lived for some months, but never bounced back after that. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it sucks. There's like one of the only snakes I actually get a little not attached to, but kind of like like so I've had this snake for so freaking long. Yeah. Some of these older you know, animals we've had for 20 years. That's what you get yeah, into. You don't really see that a lot, right? Well, you know, you're like, supposed to. Like, I mean, not, well, I know you're supposed to, but yeah. you know. So you're like, su- supposed to do a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you know the number one thing that kills snakes at my house is cancer. Yeah, like, like, yeah, I've had several. Keep them long enough, and they get old. Eventually, you start getting old people. Things just happen to snakes too. It's like you start getting things that come with age. They're you know the age is a bigger component, and if they're still alive at 14, 15 years old. Yeah, you know this uh, people. Most people, I think, they think these things live eight or ten years because that's their expectation, and they're dead because they're feed them too much and push them too hard and burn breed them too out. many times, and then they and they burn the candle at both ends, and you shorten their life expectancy. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think I think green trees are probably the worst because of what I people do. Those guys. <laughs> you know, like uh, even like I know nobody listening to this can, can you can almost like hear my eyes roll when I say it. <laughs> you can hear a, an audible eye roll. It's like, oh my god. You know, uh, <laughs> Matt Somerville just um, posted up uh, two videos of him herping the Cape York, and he found I think it was twelve green trees. Jesus. And guess what? None of them were. Not hard to find. If Huge. Harper is getting up there. What? None of them None were of big. Them were huge. None of them were you big know, at all. Uh, yeah. like I, uh, I went up, found one. Oh, look, there's a green bud on. Guess what it was? Yeah. 300 grams soaking wet. <laughs> right. And a right. giant head on it. It was obviously a full-grown adult yeah. like it's because they're little tiny snakes. But you can't convince some people in that community um, of that. It's they just they, they've just they've convinced themselves of a bunch of things that aren't true for so long that even now in the face of overwhelming evidence, they're just, Nope, I'm just going to stick with this. Yeah. It's like, they just grasp at whatever straws. And I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I know a lot of people in the green tree by the green and there's some really good people, people I consider friends and, and people who understand this even, but sure. yeah. the, I'm talking more the general sort of zeitgeist, if you will, of that community is one of just, mostly nonsense it's so bad i don't keep green tree pythons at all anymore i own zero i literally <laughs> don't even work with them anymore i got rid of them all and won't even work with them because i don't want to deal with those people right. i don't want to answer the stupid questions i don't want to be perpetually doing nothing but correcting misinformation i just it's too frustrating <laughs> i'm at my wits end with the carpet python people frankly i don't yes have, i don't, <laughs> I don't do. have it in me to take on another group like you know snakes with a bunch of problems it's just too many <laughs> We keep you. We just think that we're actually pretty cool snakes, but I just, yeah, I don't even want to deal with it. It's just. I, I, I'm curious to see what happens to the carpet python world when the book comes out and, you know, if there are any kind of like surprises or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. how it's like, you know, Owen says it all the time where it's like, oh, now I can breed my jungle to my like, coastal. <laughs> what happens if my zebra jack becomes a pure animal? What does this Wait, mean? <laughs> yeah. Didn't you do that? It's you so know, funny, too. You know because... how much it's going to kill me to be the guy that made that okay? I, yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's so funny nick it right? needs to be I... done because it's what the data supports but, <laughs> right. but it still hurts <laughs> but it's still like a locality thing right i mean I, to some I, extent right you know i mean stop trying to also, clearly it won't affect none of these things affect how i what i put together at all in that whether a jungle carpet is distinct enough to deserve its own taxonomic designation mm. is not the same question as is a jungle carpet a different snake Right, right. It's, it, it is a different thing. It is a real thing that exists in a real place. And if you go to that place, you can find that thing. Right. And it's not this other thing in this other area. It's this thing over here. And whether or not it deserves to get a fancy name, that's a separate issue. Where one draws the line taxonomically is actually, it's mostly just made up nonsense, frankly. I've like, my. The further I've delved into the academic side of this, it's like the more you realize that taxonomy is just a bunch of, I won't say complete nonsense, but it is a lot of, it is in some aspects ego-driven and ideologically driven, and it represents much more so the mindset and attitude of the person who wrote the paper than it does any empirical data mm. all too often. And so you end up with crazy, nonsensical stuff all the time. There is no universal standard for what... There is no universal definition of a species. Right. 
they can't even agree on what a species definition is. There are numerous, there's a multitude of different species concepts that you can just pick and choose whichever one you want. There isn't even, a, that's not even correct. You can't even define the th- what species. That's like, it's, and different people use different ones. The, 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 the one that everybody's in love with now is the phylogenetic species concept. It's not the only one. I tend to disagree with that species concept because it, almost forces you to ignore certain lines of evidence that I don't think you should ignore evidence. I think you should take the total amount of evidence and draw right. a conclusion from that. If you're only going to consider genetic evidence and nothing else, you that will lead you down the wrong rabbit hole sometimes. And you'll end up with ridiculous conclusions like children's pythons are super closely related to green tree pythons, which, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But look at, dig into those papers and you'll see that time and again. Because right. in certain types of mitochondrial analysis, they cluster with those. That is not necessarily indicative of a close relationship, though. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't see yeah. it. Uh, no, it's because you shouldn't see it. Because mm. anybody... There's also a disconnect between uh, you know classically trained academics and people that actually know things about snakes. Mm. Um, in that they, a lot of academics, they don't want to listen to people that actually know things about snakes. Um, you know, you're, it's a lot of people in labs that are, have never even seen these things before they're running samples and they don't know, you know, all this other stuff. It's like, you, and if you're looking at only that, like you, you know, you you can come to these conclusions. Oh, these are indistinguishable. It's like, because these samples are in your opinion, too closely related and you ignore every single other aspect of their life, their biology, their natural history, everything. None of that matters at all. Only matters is these two genes we sequenced. It's like, well, it's not really, it's not a robust data set. You're not really looking at the picture. You're just kind of like, you're you're almost like pigeonholing it into one aspect, which is, I don't know. I think you should look at all of it. And it's like, clearly molecular evidence is a super important thing. It's probably the single most important thing. It is not, however, the only thing. Mm -hmm. There's biogeography is a big thing. Are these things separate? Do they interbreed? Do they trade genes with other populations? Are they genetically isolated? That matters. It should matter. You know, these sort of, you know, these other questions should be playing a role. And I think there's a tendency in the last several years to just ignore all the rest of that stuff and go with only a single line of evidence at the expense of all the others. Usually all the lines of evidence point in the same direction. It's, but sometimes, you know, I'm just saying, somebody goes off here. Yeah. Don't just cherry pick the ones you want. And there's, but even with like molecular data, you know, you're looking at sequence divergence between populations to try to decide if something is different species. Most people would not realize there is no accepted sort of amount of differentiation that denotes a species at all, not even close. Nothing. It is the Wild West, uh, just it's madness. Like it's madness. You have some people in the, for whatever reason, in every, like little group of species. Mm. Uh, there's like a group of academics that are the guys who write all the papers in that group. If it's monitors, mm-hmm. there's those, there's this little group of monitor guys. Right. If it's pythons, there's those, there's those guys. So you see the same names on most of these papers. It's so those papers reflect their personal ideology and viewpoint, not any accepted standard in any way. It just so happens that the guys that do all the Python papers are what you'd call a lumper. They think everything's the same, and to be a different species, in their opinion, 
things need to be just ha- show massive, unfathomable levels of ge- genetic distinction to be a separate species. Right. And other groups, it's not. And then you take like the other extreme. Most people don't realize there are a number of bird species which are reptiles. They're archosaurs. So here's another divergent branch of reptiles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that these species of birds are classified not by any amount of genetic differentiation or any phenotypic variation. They are classified as separate species purely and solely based on the songs that they sing. You have like <laughs> this, this valley over here oh and the same thing over here in this other valley. They sing different songs and they're looking for females. Ergo, they're different species. And that passes that passes really? the test with the bird people, apparently. Wow. But, but like, couldn't that. it just be the same species? But over here in Python, right here in Pythonville, we need to be 5% sequence divergence, which is freaking madness. Because if you held a standard of 5%, then humans and chimpanzees and bonobos and all the great apes would be homo sapiens. And last I checked, we this the standards are completely and utterly unequally applied. You have, you know, if you applied the standard that most of these papers apply to pythons, uh, if you applied that, you'd have one elephant. You'd have one bear. You'd have all, all people uh, yes, living bear. distinct the <laughs> yes. same species. Every hominid lineage that we've ever found a fossil of would be the same species. Everything would be the same. It's like because all of that is five is less than five percent. So that's an absurdly Nick. high standard that isn't applied to literally anything else. But that's that's is, what is, these guys believe, and they write the papers. And another thing that taxonomically, I don't think people realize is that you don't have to accept any of that stuff. People put out yeah. a paper, they put out a paper, and here's their their thoughts on the matter and they try to do whatever formally or what have you. And other researchers can read that paper and say, yeah, I'm not going with that. (laughs) You don't have to accept anything. There is no like, Oh, it's published. So it's officially the law of the land. That's not how it works. Like like Antaresia paper. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to, yeah, no, No, that's a hard no. Like, that's like, that's not right. Like that's, that's they just amazing. even they they left out the pygmy bandit stuff, right? That's not even in yeah. there. I guess like, the biggest <laughs> question in Antaresia in Antaresiaville is not even addressed at all. That shows yeah. you. <laughs> it's and like, wait, what? And Stimpsons and children's pythons, which have been upheld as distinct species in every single paper that looked at their DNA ever published, they're the same thing. But somehow, spotted pythons are three different things, even though there's. So- yeah, it's like what, including like the New Guinea spotted pythons or their own thing, really? Like that population of spotted pythons that would have shared gene flow as recently as 6,000 years ago, they're their own thing. But a spotted in the children is a, a children in a, a Simpson and I are the same thing. It's like, it's just, it's like, you know why? Because if you, if you, if you want to convince yourself that spotted pythons are three different things, you get to name a couple new things. And there's a whole lot, that's a lot cooler than not naming new things. So right. <laughs> enter into the mix, but it does. We all know that it does. Right. And not just in, in all of taxonomy. It's like, I don't know if you guys are big on human anthropology and that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. recently there's a chi- some Chinese researchers found a, I saw it was found in the 1920s and then it kind of got lost and then rediscovered an incredibly well-preserved skull. that's 146,000 years old from China. Nice. It's freakishly perfect. Like almost never would you find something in that state of preservation. Uh, and they, of course, named an entirely new hominid species, even though it's all bullshit. It is quite clearly. Do you know what Denisovans are or were? Nope, not top of my head. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be out in the 
mother of all tangents. Uh, Go for it. Basically, <laughs> archaic hominid lineages. Everybody knows what Neanderthals are. Most people yep. know what Homo erectus. If you go back 250,000 years ago, you had seven to eight different species of humans, totally different species of humans in different places, all at the same time, overlapping, interbreeding, uh, you know, basically the lineage that goes up through the Middle East and goes up and ultimately uh, becomes Neanderthals, that lineage splits east-west with a population moving east and a population moving west, and they make sister lineages. Mm -hmm. The ones that go west into Europe proper are Neanderthals, the ones that went east become a group called Denisovans, which we didn't even know they existed until about 10 years ago when they sequenced the DNA of a finger bone found in Denisova Cave in Siberia. So, turns out, it's a different species entirely that we also interbred with, and they also hybridized with Neanderthals, because that's what people did. Um, you know, and they've never found much remains. There's like a jawbone, also from, there's like in Tibet, there's like a jawbone, mm -hmm. part of a man lower mandible, a couple teeth and a finger bone. That's all that. But we've got their DNA. From mm -hmm. that, uh, and can learn a lot. This skull in China is quite clearly a Denisovan skull. It's like, but if they say it's a Denisovan skull, it somehow takes away from the glory that they heap upon themselves for discovering a new hominid species. So they named it something else, even though anybody with basic arithmetic skills uh, can tell. It's like there wasn't two species of archaic humans that looked very much like Neanderthals roaming around in China at exactly the same time. It's one group of people. You just found right. the, here's the first skull of one, but you wanted to name it something fancy to to have those naming rights, and that's a big right. Feather so, in your cap if you're into the if you're uh, an academic in that field. But it's going to take how long to disprove that? Like you know, because now they're going to have to study it and do whatever, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, if you just drill a hole in one of the rear molars, you can oftentimes get good DNA. Mm. Is it? The uh, teeth are the best preserved DNA really well. Mm -hmm. It's one of the hardest natural substances in the world is tooth enamel. So right. it kind of encapsulates that stuff. But I'm just saying, like, this is taxonomy is not the be all end all of anything. I will say that in the new book, our taxonomic arrangement that we are going to have as far as species, subspecies, will not be the same as it was in the first edition. <gasps> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> a couple probably already figure out it's like there are a couple uh that are just not you know if you look at like if you look at taxonomy and what's a species is like a three-legged stool and one of those you, dna is definitely one of those legs mm -hmm. uh, and biogeography are these things isolated are they interbreeding are they reproductively isolated that's another thing. And are they phenotypically different? Do they look different? Are they bigger, smaller, lighter, darker? Are they are there physical differences to them structurally or anatomically or physically or whatever? And you look at all three of those things. And with some of these carpet python subspecies, you find like there's no appreciable difference genetically. Uh, and you also can't really say they're reproductively isolated either, really. So you really leg, and if you have a leg, a one-legged stool, that shit falls over. It's yeah. like you really only got Oh, it, right. it's a paint job difference. And it's like, well, if it's a paint job difference, that doesn't really belie any deeper you know, level of evolutionary change. I mean, I took yellow jungle carpets and made them into bright white jungle carpets in seven generations. Yeah. Right. That's just you know, some ding-a-ling snake keeper doing that. Like, it's like, you make massive, like, I've got a lot of selective breeding projects. I can completely change the phenotype in three generations of any of this stuff. Like, yeah. I have... 
the most insane Tiger Darwin carpet starting with nothing. It's like it doesn't take long if you just focus on it. You can do that. Nature's really good at doing that. So a different if the difference is literally just the paint job, that's probably not enough, even in my opinion. I tend to be a splitter, honestly. So Yeah. Yeah, you, you buy so, some things. It's a you know, it, there's a couple thoughts that come to my head when you're saying that. One, like we are like a tiny snapshot of evolution. Like right now, we're only seeing this little, you know, snapshot of life and how it's evolving to where, you know, something 60,000 years from now. Yeah, maybe it's on its own trajectory to mm -hmm. be a separate species or whatever. But like, I think sometimes we think like, oh, we figured it out. We're done. No, <laughs> that, is another, that is another of the species concepts. There's a species concept called the evolutionary species concept that basically right. factors in like, OK, maybe these things aren't that different, but are they on their own separate evolutionary trajectory now? Are they essentially they're not that different, but they are a young species. They mm -hmm. are only recently diverged, but they're on their own. They've started diverging and there's no reason that they're ever going to come back together with this population. So they, the ship has sailed. Right. And using the evolutionary species concept, you know, it gives you a lot more latitude in factoring in those other things. Right. Um, whereas the phylogenetic species concept really doesn't give you. Right. I am a big proponent of the evolutionary species concept because it takes into effect all of that stuff. A right. young species is still a species, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Right. Um, and the opinion of many others, I would think. It's <laughs> right. We, the irony of it's a bunch a of humans who are a young species arguing <laughs> that there should be a young species. <laughs> we are, we're not Neanderthals, are we? But we're so genetically, we're, a, a, we're so similar to them genetically that five to 10% of their genome still resides in living humans today. That's right. how close we are to them. But we are a young species. Right. Uh, and so for us to argue that you shouldn't count young species when we literally are one is kind of an insanity. <laughs> But that's the argument people make. It's like I don't, I don't get it. It's, I, um, you know, it, the, about the whole species things with carpets. It's so funny how, like, I remember when I first got into carpets, I was like this total morph guy and just crossing everything <laughs> together and just like throwing shit at the wall and see what six. And now to come like full circle where I have no jags yeah. and I like natural looking carpets more than I like the morph stuff and and Owen has now become I'm starting the, to get the, the I, I, don't, I don't guy. understand what happened. He's producing ocelot jags Dude, and it's caramel crazy over ocelot. here. It just he poison pilled me man. Nick He's like take me. all these jags told and, me. He's yeah. like one day you'll see the light. Dear god. <laughs> one day you'll see the light. Yep. But uh, you know it's a natural progression. You start out and the first thing that attracts you to carpets or most people to most things look at the ball python people for example. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The flashy bright colors and the flashy pink jobs and that is uh, and morphs provide a level of sort of instant gratification. It doesn't take very long to make morphs. And look, there there it is. Yeah. It's cutting, you don't yep. have to Give away yeah. at it for five generations to make some cool selectively bred thing. You just like plug this male into here and boom, there you go. Um, so that draws a lot of people in, but the people that stick with it, some small percentage of them, and you're in that group, it would seem, you eventually start to see past that and develop mm -hmm. a deeper appreciation for the animals themselves. And you don't, yeah, you know, is is a granite a better looking snake than a normal pop-up carpet? No. It's a different looking popwing carpet. Yeah. Yes. It's better. Yeah. No, it's neither good nor bad. It is only different. And it's right. And I think we got to, I know that 
I mean, the Carpet Python community got to a point for a while there that I thought, in my estimation, seemed unhealthy, and that was that a lot of people had seemingly lost their appreciation for the natural beauty of what these things are supposed to look like. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's detrimental. And you look at the ultimate expression of that is the ball Python community, because there's no bigger crime than having a normal ball Python or producing. <laughs> <laughs> they literally. Oh my God. <laughs> I heard he's, you say that on another, but podcast. he's right. And and he's like, right. 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 Oh God. Like, you, you feel you need to immediately kill a percentage of the man. <laughs> for the crime of being natural looking. <laughs> you need to, <laughs> to death to become cobra food oh for the crime of not having enough morphs. Right. Like you probably crossed the line there. Like if you have, if you feel you need to kill a percentage of the offspring you produce, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, why, why are you doing that? You yeah. like, what right. do you do? Stop doing that. Jeez, like, don't don't no. make. I mean, it's they you know it's crazy. Do not appreciate ball pythons. Actually, kind of a cool looking snake. Yeah, I was just gonna it, say when I was a kid. That at Holy all. shit! It's all morphs is the only thing they care about. Right. And that's, I, I, the carpet Python community has seemingly come back into yeah a lot of it's like you don't you can enjoy morphs and also still enjoy wild type animals you can have it both ways you don't have 100%. to be, yeah. you can appreciate the natural beauty of a brown ij and there's an ij again yeah. <laughs> i gotta say that's people know what i'm talking about i don't want to confuse people right <laughs> you can appreciate that and also have exanthic granites like you can you don't yeah, have to yeah. that i just i don't know i think we need balance it's like yes. you know if you lose sight of what's made these things cool to begin with you're kind of missing the whole point of it it's like i think for I think for me, right, I think I think that the natural progression is you kind of to your point, right? You see the flashy morph and you're like, wow, look at that. You know, I mean, think about the first time we saw a Jag, you know, and you're like, wow, look at that. You know, it's crazy, you know, and then you start to work with them and breed them and trying to figure out how they work. And then you want to see them in the wild. And to me, once I saw them in the wild, it was like, oh, wow, now I'm seeing in the, in the setting that they're supposed to be in. Yeah. And now I understand why they look the way they look. And I have an appreciation for that yeah. natural look because it's like you go from environment to environment and they just seamlessly blend into that environment. And they're, you know, they're, they're such variety in the carpet pythons. It's just, I mean, to yeah, me, it, you if know, ever there was a group the, of snakes that didn't need morphs at all, it's perfect. Yeah. Morphs. Like there's, yeah. there's red ones, there's bluish ones, there's yellow ones, there's like everything you could imagine that they already yeah. exist. Like 100%. It's, it's like, yeah, you don't, do you really even need more? I mean, I, I like morphs. I, so do I. I, yeah. I all of that stuff. It's not, you know, I, it's, uh, I like that stuff. But if you get to the point where that's the only thing, if you, if it only has value, if it has a bunch of mutant genes in it, and you can't appreciate it otherwise, then I think that's probably not a healthy sort of mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I think I heard you say on the gum, you were on the gumbo podcast and you said something like, you know who hates normal ball pythons more than anybody? Ball python. And I was like, oh my God, that's so great. (laughs) I accidentally ended up with a normal ball python a couple years ago. It was a partho clutch. Yeah. Two eggs made a distance. There was a partho clutch. Uh, Pairing was like a, super pastel lesser spot nose to a, a pastel enchi mojave and there's a normal and a super enchi both females <laughs> neither of which is genetically possible given the parentage and everything and i actually found a home for the female normal at an expo only reason i was able to find somebody to take it off my hands was because it had a weird story and that it didn't have a father that it was a 
half clone. And thus that was interesting enough to where someone would take it off my hands. Oh my God. <laughs> right. like, I was like, oh. I'll just give this thing to the first kid that wants a pet snake. Yeah, I'll just right. give it and right. it was like, and it took till the second day of the expo. <laughs> it's oh like, this is, yeah, because there's no bigger crime in that community's eyes than a, a dreaded normal. That's like, great. I, it's just, I, I, it's <laughs> That's great. They don't even make like, they don't even make normals as pets anymore. It's mostly like, yeah, yeah. If you're selling in a pet, it's like here's the albino you can buy as a pet. It's like that's there's not even. Well, the secret is, and not much of a secret, is a lot of larger producers, the odd normals and low percentage possible heads that aren't worth much, they get sold as cobra food. Yep. Yeah. They become feeder ball pythons. I don't like to talk about that because ooh, we don't want to. We love our animals. We Cobras got to eat too. <laughs> I don't have a problem. I don't have much of a problem with it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. we've got to eat. Right. I I start all my baby black headed pythons off on carpet pythons mostly. Uh, <laughs> not live go. ones, not good ones. Like it's like <laughs> But if you produce 30, 40 clutches of carpets a year, you will always end up with, and you guys know this, you always yeah. end up with a, a small number of stillborn, like full term, they just their egg tooth fell off, they drown the egg. Yeah. Right. Die yeah. The egg. You end up with a lot of that, and I just freeze all that stuff, and I just start all my blackheads off on half a carpet five on each. Yep. yep. And it works great. It's way more nutritious than a rat tail when you've got to get – because they take a while to get the hint about eating. And yeah. so yeah. I, my thought is, like, you know, at least then that life that should have got out of that egg it didn't went for something. Some good came of its existence. It didn't just get thrown like garbage. Right. Not a few live ones or anything like that, but, I mean, you do end up with that – you know, with me, I might end up with a dozen stillborn carpets a year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's a thing that happens to people. Another one of those things people don't talk about, but it happens right. all. Right. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So it's a all right, well, natural stuff. That's that's the message. That's right. Um, all right. Around so we're we're winding up on two hours. Do you Are think? Yeah. Yeah. So, it happens quickly. I guess the question would be, um, I don't want to put any pressure on you, but I have two questions. One would be, do you think that we'll see the Carpet Python book this year? Yes. <gasps> okay. Shit. All right. That's oh, good. Shit. All right. I'll, uh, uh, I don't know. Like it's, I mean, at this point, I'm confident no one's going to bang out a faster Carpet Python book. We're close to the finish line, so we'll give okay. you a few more details, I guess. Hopefully, Justin doesn't, doesn't get pissed at me. But uh it's it's us and everyone listening. So <laughs> the COVID delays getting our samples run, uh, that really is the thing that's held this up for. We even done a year ago, oh. uh, but I really thought that was really really important. Uh, I wanted to do something because the the primary audience for this book already has the other edition of this book. So you have to find a reason to get people to buy the same book again. And the only way to do that is to make it not the same book again. It's got to have a lot of additional stuff. And I thought, like, what can we do? Because I thought we were pretty thorough the first time. Yeah. But how do you go beyond that and do go even more hardcore? And it occurred to me that no one has ever run a full round of molecular testing on a species group for the sake of a reptile book. That stuff that's only done in academia for papers, not just for some dinglings reptile book. Let's just do a complete DNA workup on all these snakes. No one's ever gone that far. So let's go that far. And I'm fortunate in that, you know, Dr. Warren Booth, who 
you know, a good friend of the show, no doubt. And you guys know is a known Warren for years, great guy. And he, I was already working with Warren on some other stuff, some other more academic stuff. And right. he agreed graciously to run some samples for the book and to write a small phylogenetic chapter. So the book will have not just the results of that, those testings, but Warren will write an actual explanation of that data and everything. So it'll basically be what will amount to a small academic paper embedded inside of the book. Because uh, I'm not qualified to analyze that data. Like, you know, uh, so that will be, but that's a level that no one's really ever gone to before. So I thought that would be something cool. Yeah. Uh, other big changes to the book structurally, aside from taxonomic arrangement, which will be a little different. There will be a jungle carpet chapter. There will be a popway carpet chapter. These things are distinct things. Whether or not they get a name, that's a separate issue. They're a thing. Right. They don't stop. Poplin carpets don't become Darwin carpets if you synonymize them into variegata. They're still their own thing. Right. If you run the DNA of, a pop, of a five Poplin carpets and five Darwins, you'll be able to put them into two piles looking only at their DNA every time. You will always, they will always cluster with each other. You could, you're not going to confuse them at the molecular level. It's that the degree of difference is not that much. That right. it's very shallow diverged because they've only recently diverged. They haven't had enough time to wander off on a you know, genetic drift to really uh, to kick in. They are young in taxonomic terms. So uh, there's that. Uh, another thing is really a lot more of an emphasis on natural forms. I really want to hammer people with that, um, that people should appreciate natural beauty and the landscape and the, you know, and the animals and all of it. So the species chapters, uh, all of them will contain only wild animals. As you thumb through the jungle carpet chapter, it will be all wild snakes in the wild, doing wild snake stuff in the jungle. There will be not a single bright yellow jungle sitting in somebody's cage. There will be none of that. It's the chapters are there's already was a lot of natural history in there. There's even more this time around. Uh, and it's really very much about what are these things doing in the wild? Where are they living? What are they doing? And here's a bunch of pictures of wild ones doing those things we were just talking about. And all the species chapters love that. Uh, the only captive snakes in the book uh, are in the chapters dealing with the captivity. So when you're talking about husbandry and reproduction and those sorts of things, mm -hmm. then obviously all you, you have captive snakes and all of that in those chapters where it's appropriate, but a much greater emphasis on wild snakes, in situ wild snakes. I just want to illustrate the, the like, well, think of like jungle carpets. There are some crazy variations of jungle carpets that bear no resemblance. People think jungle carpets are yellow and black, and you guys have been there. Yeah, and the one yeah. thing you can be confident you're not going to find is a bright yellow and black snake. Right. You'll find all kinds of things. You might find yellowish and black and brown. You might find all kinds of stuff. You're not going to find neon yellow and jet black. I mean, it's right. very unlikely to find that. So to really illustrate the breadth of what's out there, that's what we're trying to do. Um, so not as much a uh, not as many captive animals. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's really cool. I like that. But that's when you eventually, like, that's where you end up, like, just in your own headspace. The longer you're in it, it's like you, you know, all the pretty snake, bright, pretty snakes in a box. That's cool still, but it's like it, it does kind of like eventually you you start to, and I know you guys are the same way. You start to think about deeper sort of things, and mm, you know yeah. you're. you're you start to ponder the, the larger mysteries and like, well, why do they look different in these places? How they get to be in these places? And how long, it, what separates this from over here? And what happened? And 
why are Darwin carpets not interbreeding with Cape York carpets anymore? Why are there no carpets of the Southern Gulf of Carpentaria? Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, might explain that in the book. Why is there this <laughs> gap where there's no carpets? Why is there no carpets on the Mel Arbor Plain? Why is there a Mel Arbor Plain? Like these right. sort of things. <laughs> these are all questions. You know, well, these are. Yeah, the, and and then you the start to see what's interesting. What's interesting is you start to see that that happens with not just carpet pythons. You know, well, you start too. to see some of those other species that are, you know, like, like that. Yeah. yeah. The same yeah. drivers that affect the evolution and speciation patterns in one group affect all the other things that are in those same habitats. If you look yeah. at, you know, the, the partitioning of green pythons in New Guinea uh, into three forms in New Guinea or two in New Guinea and, uh, or three in New Guinea and one in Biak. Right. That partition uh, arrangement of their, all these things are different. Uh, if you look at the taxonomy of cassowaries, it's exactly the same thing. It's the same. <laughs> if you sure. look at it, there's all manner of birds. There's, if you look at, there's a paper on crocodile skinks, it's the same thing because right. those same evolutionary pressures, those same barriers to reproduction, to animal movement affect everything in those habitats. So you'll see the same thing. Uh, the scrub python. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. It's all because right. they're all set. They're all, you know, those same pressures are affecting all of those things that live in that in those places. Yeah. And so you see very very similar speciation patterns. Wow. Which is why awesome. everything in New Guinea that's on north and south of the of the central mountain range in New Guinea, the north and south are different species. They're all it's like that with everything. Regardless of scrub what it python. is, <laughs> scrubs are different. The white lips are different. Everything's different. You know what's on both sides? Viper boas. You know what no one's ever bothered to test? Viper boas. And Candoia carinata are north and south. And I'll bet you they're going to be different. Right. But the Candoia taxonomy is a freaking hot mess of just nonsense, too. So (laughs) (laughs) it's so like, as I did a little like a museum hopping with Warren and Ryan examining pickled snakes in jars. And we weren't looking for Candoia, but there's a lot of because they occur in the same places as the things we were looking at. You kind of looked at them and I, I like, I have a bunch of Candoia. It's like, and you started like, this needs to get looked at seriously because they're not immune to these same pressures. You know, if they're here and there's other things here and these things are different species, these Candoia probably are too. Um, there, but because they look similar, no one really delves deeper. Okay. Uh, if only there was a podcast with somebody that, you know, delved deeper into these things. Mm. Hmm. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> if only there was a yeah. podcast. I, think, uh, I, I know a guy, but... Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's now, it's... I think we're past the if, it's just more the structural elements and the timeline. There it is. Uh, <laughs> we're past. We're past. Uh, it, it's difficult. The podcast sort of uh, sphere is pretty full. There's a lot of stuff out there now it ebbs and it flows there's a bunch of them and then everybody else finds something else better to do and then there's a bunch of them and then yeah and the constant is npr you guys are survivors yeah because well you don't build an audience by doing something for six weeks you build an audience by doing something for 10 years yeah Yeah. away every week week in and week out yep some shows are better than others, frankly. Oh, yeah. But you yeah. keep it going. <laughs> you grind it. And that reliability that you're always there. It has aged us horribly. You guys are so remarkably consistent in that that that's, you built this audience because you are yep. always there. 
when everybody else breaks out, finds something better to do, and can't be bothered to do it, you guys show up. Yep. I think it's, yeah, I think uh, the the more and more I see podcasts, like I think it's great that there's more podcasts coming into the thing. But um, the more I see good? it, is, what's that? Are they good though? Like I, I gotta be honest. Like, I don't listen to podcasts, which is weird because I'm on them all the yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. I don't, and I can see you guys both good friends. I've known you for a million years, yeah. but I can also say I've never listened to a single episode of NPR. Right. Well, yes. I, I don't. I've not ever listened to a full episode of any podcast ever, not once. I listened to one segment of Reptile Radio way back a million years ago right. with Eugene Bissett. Only the Eugene Bissett part while I was driving to Seattle one time. I listened like 20 minutes yep. of a podcast 15 years ago. <laughs> I don't even know why. I just can't seem to, I don't know, like if I'm zoning out, it's like a never reptile stuff. I like to like, I've gotten into Neil deGrasse Tyson's podcast on like, cosmology yeah, and science yeah. like, i never yeah. i don't know like i maybe i should so i don't know i'm on these shows and i don't even know if they're good or not like, <laughs> I, 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 well, I, the Gumbo one. I know that i keep people talk about it like and you know i knew one of the hosts is Corey martin who i've known for a while who's great so i'm like yeah sure i'll do it you know but i, I don't really know it does seem that when the market gets crowded and if you consider the park the this to be a marketplace of sorts yeah uh where you are competing for listeners uh and it it, it does seem when it gets crowded though there's i i guess what i'm saying is i don't want to do a podcast that's the same as anybody else's podcast if i can't do something that no one else is doing and bring something new to the table and come at it from a different way mm. with a fresh approach or something then there's no point in me doing it because if it's going to be the call up the breeder of the week podcast, there's a million people doing that. They'll probably do it better than I would do it. Cause I don't care. Right. Doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I do it well, and everybody's already, there's a lot of that already around. If you want to listen to that cool, but I don't want to do that. I want to do something that I, you know, that's different and that, you know, I'm interested in. So yeah, that's been the struggle. So, yeah. but it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> don't you worry. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do like this. Like nobody listening can see this, but I've got this like sort of three-way partition of my monitor where I can see Eric and Owen and they have way cooler microphones than I do. My, my, uh, mine's garbage. Cooler. He's got the good shit and he won't. I know, right? He's so supposed cool. to buy me the uh, upgrade with like all the like money. I'm on the Howard Stern show here. Yeah, something. I know. It's awesome. I've got the sweet boom microphone. Like, oh, yeah. That's right, man. This crappy microphone on a webcam. Yep, yep. I have, been, I have tried not to be on camera, like actively not be on camera. Uh, as much as possible, but I'm making my peace with that. And I kind of like this kind of, it might be cool to do it and have a video component or a video version of it available. Yeah. If yeah. I, can, if I yeah. can clean up well enough and make myself not look like a complete buffoon. Some people tend so, to well, like the live you stuff know, I do. Yeah. The topic the... I talk about being able to throw up mats, maps, charts, and yeah. diagrams would be useful. Uh, and yeah, you can't so, like, really explain if... a range map. If you um, see that little uh, share button facing. down there, you can you can what? share. You, you see that little? I don't know if you guys can see the I same thing. Yeah. But if you look at the bottom of the screen, it says share, share screen. screen. Yeah, yeah. You could put you up can that show stuff shit. and share all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I like, I like you know, this setup. This is uh, I'm a uh, whatever I do. I know it's going to be something like here's what I've got, and I'm going to send all the files to you, Lucas, and you can make this into something coherent. Yeah, like that. I gotta clean snakes. Like, I hear some raw stuff and weave that into something that makes sense. That's why like, we have the interns. You know, that's, that's yeah. yeah. 
I know, but somehow, oddly, somehow, oddly, I'm the one that does all the work. Because you don't utilize the interns. I don't. I don't. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't use them. Right. Like I like. Yeah, you gotta have days and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's like gotta. Yeah, I guess I gotta start doing uh, do all the video editing and do all that stuff, the technical stuff, because I'm too old to learn new things. So. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so old now. I'm like, I'm not learning a new skill. No way. <laughs> yeah. I just I'm evolved like, with it, you know. Yeah. I mean, when we started NPR, it was hard to do a podcast, and now I am completely analog. Like I am like the most analog. <laughs> I, I I had somebody because PayPal keeps doing the thing where they close everybody's accounts for selling reptiles and this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of a bit of a problem, a, a big problem of late. And I keep on people like like you know, ask me, well, do you take Zell? I'm like, I don't even know what Zell is because I'm like, a, it's like, do you not understand? I am a grown ass man. Like, I don't even know if I'd be allowed to use Zell. I don't know what that even is. Like, does anybody over the age of 40 even know what cell is? I have no clue. I I don't know. I'm so flippin' old. I'll actually call your ass up on the phone and talk to you like a human. I I can actually have a conversation with a person face-to-face still. Like, I haven't lost that. Like, I'm that of that age group where... We talk to each other still. You can't just secure a snake sale by sending me yeah. emojis of like dollar sign, snake, snake, dollar sign. I know. <laughs> I know you know the frustration where you I, get these I, like people ask you about something and it's not even like, you know, the last morph market's the best because it's like, oh God, it's the horrible. The lowest common denominator of everything. But I got a, the, the, a bit ago, a few months ago, I got somebody that wanted a snake or wanted to ask some questions about a snake and they sent me a message. That was just three words. What's best price? Holy no crap. Holy no crap. What's best price? Neglected to even mention what snake they were talking about. <laughs> you can figure out by what they were replying to. What's best price? And I'm like, dude, you're short two nouns and a verb. I'm not even going to respond to this. Like, you, don't, you don't even have enough respect for well, the way I do or me to use a complete sentence. Like, I'm not even. Well, my I just don't even respond. Because if you don't respond to that crap, they eventually send you a message be like, hey, you haven't responded to so and so's thing. I'm like, yeah, I know I didn't. I didn't want no, to. I, I, oh, I'm so I glad. Like, I, think, I don't think uh, I can help you. You should buy a snake from somebody else. <laughs> I had, yeah. some, I had somebody actually name drop you because I was I was not responding fast enough. So they were like, well, screw this. I'm just going to go to Nick Button. And I'm like, tell him I said hi. <laughs> like it was just like, <laughs> they probably didn't come to me. Of course like, not. It's like, uh, I'm the guy people love to buy snakes I produced from other people. That, like, yeah, well. <laughs> and then they love to email me about it. Like, no. The number of like, I don't I think this does not go by where I'm like, Hey, I got this snake that you produced. It's like, and then they want to just pump me for a bunch of information. It's like you can't, you don't buy a car off a used car lot and then call the Chevy dealership to answer the <laughs> questions. Like, that's not cool. Hey, how was like, this? Cool? What was this car been through? I don't know. Probably six times out of ten, it's not even a snake I actually produced. It's yeah. like they just said that. I was just going to answer yeah, that. Yeah. Have you? I, this has happened to me multiple times. Yeah. Where they, so I had somebody. They're like, "Hey, I bought this albino Darwin, and um, you know, uh, they said it was produced by you. I was wondering if you could give me the lineage." I was like, "Well, I've never produced albino Darwin." 
and so, so there you go. <laughs> it's my lineage. You got me confused with somebody else. Jesus. Um, I have on two occasions seen Nick Mutton Line Jungle Jags for sale. So <laughs> I've also seen uh, Nick Mutton Line Diamond Pythons, which I've never actually bred Diamond Pythons at all. Oh my God. So that's not even a thing. Like, no. I. I had one just literally two days ago, this happened. It was like, hey, I got this snake from Michael Miller. Remember that guy? Oh, God. And he bought it from this guy years ago, and it's one I produced, and it was like, you know, wanted to know what it was and what it was, and it's, you know, wanted me to, you know, spend several hours figuring everything out that I ever sold to Michael Miller. And I'm such a dumbass, I did. I sat there for an hour with every record I had from 2013 to 2017. Dear God. That's literally probably 1,500 snakes. Uh, but I have every picture of every single snake I produce and its reference number and its ancestry and who I sold it to. And I never sold the snake to Michael Miller. Oh, yeah, we said it was like a, like a, you know, jungle coastal it's like you could have led with that like, yeah, that would have like you saved me a lot of time <laughs> here <laughs> like, it's like it, oh what are you doing it's like it was or a, a coastal darwin it's like yeah it's obviously it looked kind of darwin i'm like well, maybe it's a darwin i don't know like, <laughs> back on this fool's errand like i never sold that snake to him right good one of mine at all but thanks for I'll never get those two hours back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I've slowly learned over the past couple of years that I I am I do not like selling snakes because I I just I deal with that shit at work all day long with people being upset about you know things and thinking you know I, I just I can't I can't I can't do it I can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean the fact is the customer is not always right, like mm-hmm. especially yeah. the customer. Like that's like yeah. Yeah. 100%. I guess, I guess, like, if you buy a snake from me, I will bend over backwards, tell you whatever you want. You can call me up nine years later and ask me some crazy question. I'll go through. I'll figure it out for you. It's when you didn't even buy the snake from me, but you want me to do that. But like, that's a little. You know, yeah, that's like, a little yeah. Hard. yeah. I bought the snake from your competitor to save five dollars, but now I'd like you to provide customer service for the snake I got from Triple L Reptile. The <laughs> they did they name drop to you on the deli cup? Yeah, okay. That literally yeah. happened. I was like a, the biggest show in the Northwest in Seattle, a town called Puyallup. And I have this giant double end cap booth. And the next one down is Triple L has like this giant yeah. end cap booth. And they had five carpet pythons and deli cups in stacks. They were all obviously coastal Papuan mixes of some sort. And they were five snakes labeled as three things. One was labeled as a coastal, one was labeled as a jungle, one was labeled as a Papuan, and the other was just labeled as carpet pythons generically. But they were all obviously from the same clutch. Same clutch yeah. <laughs> all same size, all kind of look alike. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, but you know, it's not, that's a pretty typical thing to see at a show anyway. But yeah. this guy just, I mean, two hours of my day just asking me every question you could possibly, like every bit of knowledge I could possibly have about carpet pythons, he sucked out of me. Every <laughs> single thing. Wow. Walked over and bought one from Triple L Reptile because it was $10 less. Didn't even ask me if I'd taken $10 less. I probably would have. Right. But, uh, and then tried to get out the door without me seeing him, kind of going around. I see him, like, skulking out. Oh. Uh. <laughs> weeks later, when it wouldn't eat, wanted me to tell him how to get to eat. I'm like, oh, I, I talked to you a lot at the, at the expo a couple weeks ago and everything about carpet pythons. And, hey, it's like, uh, yeah, you, it's the one you bought from Triple L Reptile and yeah. snuck out the door? Oh, call, yeah. Call them. Yeah, it's mm. like, yeah, I can't tell you a lot about that, but... Uh, probably Man. gonna have to call them and that's probably not gonna go very well but 
Yeah, they'll give you they'll give you a discount on the next one you buy. So it's kind of like uh, you know Owen and I've you know if if only there was a podcast that focused on carpet pythons that's been going on for I, 10 I've years. Said that. And, you know, like, so. you'll get you'll get people that'll like contact you and you're like, um, hey, could you tell me about this? And I will send them a link to a show. You know, I'll say, oh, listen to this. And they're like, can you just, well, tell, can me? You just tell me? And I'm like, I just oh fucking God. did. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, 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 I can't. No, I cannot. No. Sorry, <laughs> I can't. No, I get, I get that all the freaking time. I've had I'm sure like, you do. <laughs> and I literally wrote a book on this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I tell people, and this was in years when you could still get it. I'm like, yeah, there's this great book that answers all that stuff. You should totally yeah. pick it. Up. Yeah, right. not even that I wrote it or anything because one of their authors oh like just God. It, it, yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, got... like, oh yeah, I saw that book. That's really expensive. And then I've had I've had two people ask me, like, do you know is there anywhere I could just download a copy of it? Like I've had two <laughs> people ask me where they could pirate a copy. Hey, can of I steal your book? book? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Which my answer was like, actually no, there is no uh, there is no digital copy of it. It doesn't yeah. exist because when I had to sign the contract to write the book, I wouldn't sign that clause to stop it from. So there wouldn't be an audio version of it just because I don't because Jesus, you know. Well, oh we, yeah. we do we do have the, we do have uh, several chapters the, done the, by Nipper. The, the natural history section, Nipper. Set because I made something on the show, right? And he was kind of like, uh, I think I asked you guys a while back if it was cool Several if I put it on the Christmas show. Yeah, so I was like, man, it would be cool if the Carpet Python book was in an audio book. So right. then in my email, Nipper sends me in his nice English accent. Hello, mate. The, How are uh, you today? The natural history chapter. <laughs> the complete brittle python, you know? And it was just a joke that he sent to me. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> now I can listen to my car. You got, you got the entire but, uh, natural history but chapter. Worry, done by I bought guy. three copies yep. of the book. They're right, they're right there. One, three? two, three. Yeah, oh, I have three. three. I didn't even have a good one. <laughs> I have the one that all three of you guys signed that was the original one. And then I lent that to Matt and I was afraid that he had that for so long that I wanted to read it again. So I got another one yeah. and then I got one that I was going to auction off uh, at a carpet fest. And, you know, my, my everybody had it. Is, is all beat up. It's one I sent to a guy in Hong Kong and it never showed up. And he, like a month went by and it wasn't there. He's like, really? It's not there. It was lost. They got lost in the mail. Right. So I pulled him out of replacement, uh, and he got that one just fine. And like three months later, like four months after I sent this book out, it showed back up at my house. <laughs> and it had made it all the way to China. There was like all these crazy Stamps Chinese stamps <laughs> all over it. Right. They made it there. They couldn't figure out how to deliver it, and they sent it all the way back. And it was kind of beat up. The corners all kind of mushed from getting tossed around for months and months and months. Right. Um, but that's my that's my reference copy if I need to <laughs> – when you, you mean like when you're writing in the second edition, you're like, "What did I say the first time?" <laughs> <laughs> I should then, probably check that. Yep. Honestly, like the files that when you write a book like that, or how we do it anyway, it's like you're all these different documents. Each chapter or section is a different document, and then you kind of weld them all together towards the end. But they evolve, and like I'll write the first pass of the morph chapter, and then I'll send that to Justin, and he'll scribble out half the stuff I wrote and write it in red ink and then write a bunch of other stuff. And I'll say, screw that, and I'll scribble out a bunch of his stuff. And, I'll <laughs> some of it. and he goes back and forth and back and forth four or five times until everybody's happy with it or nobody's happy with it, and then you know you're done. Right. <laughs> but each round of revisions, the number, the amount of red ink keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and 
Right. And the matter of insertions and new stuff gets smaller and smaller until eventually there's nothing. You're just checking spelling at that point and you're done. Nice. nice. But yeah, it, it, I don't know, man. It's, it's a lot of work. You should write a book. No, <laughs> no. I highly recommend it. Like it's, well, who else is going to do it? Like, well, Eric's going to write his ad- adventures of like Australia book and then I'll have a children's pop-up book that'll go with it. Like, you know, <laughs> yes. you know what's wrong with that's not, yeah, the pop-up book is a shitty idea. Also. All right. <laughs> like, that's not... like, if I could encourage anybody to do anything, it'd be get your ass off your couch, get out into the world, and go herping, like, yeah. out of the country. Go find this stuff. It's so exhilarating. It's so life-affirming it's awesome. and awesome. And yeah. most people don't know. Most people leave these quiet, leave these quiet lives of just, like, I don't know, like, anonymity and... I don't know. They never really have any grand adventures in their lives. And that's sad. Like you need to get out and have some real proper adventures yeah, and yeah. do this stuff and find these snakes. If that's what you're into and, and do that and eat the crazy food and find the crazy snake. And maybe you don't sleep for three days and have that. It's it, what a shame it would be to get to the end of your life and have accumulated no good stories at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, see that. So writing a book, like it's a kind of a memoir travel log sort of book about, herping adventures with like a reptile slant to it that would encourage people and hopefully inspire people to get out there. And, you know, we're, nobody gets out of this world alive. Like we're all, nobody gets out of this alive. Like that's it. Like we're here for a finite and very fleeting period of time. And what a shame to waste it all and never have any adventure and never do anything grand. Have this grand, you know, get some of your buddies and go on this grand adventure halfway around the world. What a shame it would be to not ever do that. Yeah. So maybe that's not a bad idea to write. It doesn't have to be like a thousand-page book, but write something that would be trying to inspire people. Like, grab life by the balls, get out there and do something. Yeah. You know? and I have I have two chapters. Here's my regret. Here's a, I have two chapters kind of written of the stories. I mean, how, you know, when we found the Owen Pelly Python, I was like, I have to do this now. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you know. I mean, like this is like you know uh, this, is this is it. But um, my my regret is not doing it sooner. Mm. I remember you telling me for years that I should get to Australia. What are you doing? Stop buying the snakes. Spend your money on this. Yeah, to try yeah, to get yeah, you to go yeah, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my biggest regret. Yep. Biggest regret. So yep. I cannot wait until they open. I'm telling you, man, I'm probably going to go twice a year for a couple of years because that's that's something I want to do. I think uh, I, I don't know if anybody will read it. Consider writing a small book about it or something. Yeah, I am. Time goes on, you accumulate more adventures and have more cool stories. Yeah. 100%. Uh, so it has a deadline per se, but that's a cool thing that who, there's a book that doesn't really exist. Yeah. yeah. books. Well, it's sort of like what you're saying about the podcast, right? I mean, you and Justin have wrote the book on Carpet Python. So what can I do? What, what, how, how can I show my love of, of this species of, of or this, you know, complex of snakes? And like, I'm like, well, here's an idea. You know, we're having such good times and all these stories that happen. And, you know, it's funny. You look yeah. on Facebook, look at Chris Lemmy, right? He posted up this memory and it's me sleeping in uh, the, the chair on the way back, yeah, coming, for, from yeah, Australia. coming back from Australia. Yep. And I totally forgot. Right. There was this there was this guy at the airport. Right. And I'm sure because you're on here, Chris is going to listen to this. But <laughs> there was this guy at the airport like he thought that he had the very first. So me and Chris were stuck in Texas on this layover for like 13 hours. And as we're sitting there, this old guy comes up to us, this hippie dude. And he's like, 
It's like he has the first iPhone ever. Like nobody else has a phone, and he's like showing us every single picture in his phone that he took. He's like, "Look at this, man! I can't believe that this phone took this picture. Look, I mean, I can zoom in and see the bird that I took." And me and Chris are just like, "Yeah, man. Okay, Looks cool, nice, dude. Like, yeah, we got one of them too. Like he thought he had something that nobody else had, but Do the crazy people. In the, my first trip to Australia was in the Alice Springs Airport, and." There is a guy waiting for a flight. He's on the same flight, and he was an Aboriginal Australian Elvis impersonator. <laughs> True story. Wow. Oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> that's great. He performed under the name of Black Elvis, and he had wow. the, like late Vegas era Elvis, the big rhinestone studded glasses, like the, 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 the mutton chops, the whole getup, too. Oh my god, like, yes. Oh god. So I got to meet a buddy. We got a picture. We're like, you know, hanging out. Yeah. With, yeah, why not, dude? Yeah. Hell yeah. Shit, like, man. The things that go, the crazy shit that happens on those trips that, like, oh, it's great. Become the funniest things ever later, but yeah. they're not funny at all at the time. Right. Like, <laughs> that last yeah. trip up the Cape York Peninsula, we were we blew out a tire halfway oh, through <laughs> and destroyed the rim too. Like the rim was bent. Like it's oh just, god. Like, not in an appropriately equipped vehicle for what we were trying to do. Uh, so we we're on a bald ass spare. We said, well, let's just press on all the way up anyway. And then all the way back down. And we got all the way back. And then we decided the second to last night, we we're trying to get around the Palmerston area to go look for jungle carpets. And there's this like scenic loop that's through the rainforest where the rainforest has grown over the road. Hmm. And you're just driving through a green tunnel in the dark. <laughs> and there's oh, branches wow. and shit in the road. You got to move out of the way sometimes. And we, Chris kept saying, Salemi just kept saying, this is a bad idea. We don't have another tire. This is a bad idea. And he was on the record. He wanted to be on the record that this was a bad idea. And it was a bad idea. Got it. We ran over a fallen tree branch thing and blew out the last tire. So we're there at 2 o'clock in the morning, middle of fucking nowhere, with a blown out tire and no spare. And we have to get on a plane the next night. And we have several, a few hundred kilometers we need to cover, too. Mm. And, uh, oh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> back up on a flat tire in reverse, back out for, like, a half an hour of walking on foot. And I'm just walking with Chris. And that man had murder in his eyes. <laughs> I, like, he didn't speak. He was just, like, he was just not. He's, like, he's like if anybody talks to Chris, he's going to freaking stab somebody. He's so, so pissed. Yeah. Beyond all words, that just that dead stare in his face, like, <laughs> Don't even talk to me. And he just walked. And we're just walking in utter silence. And then we got back. I had to climb up this like mountain thing to get to the top of the high area where our Australian friend who was with us could get a cell phone signal and call the Australian equivalent of AAA. And that guy right. showed up as the sun was coming up. Oh god. We did get a we did get it squared away and we made it. We had a to go out and go scuba diving. We made it to the boat, but we didn't sleep at all that night, like at all. Like it was oh, wow. like getting the car going, pulled up just in time for the boat, left, got on the boat and went out and went diving oh, with God. no sleep whatsoever. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. But, <laughs> I know that face. I know that face like, that Chris gives. <laughs> oh, my God. Like I was like, like he's going he's gonna to absolutely like. Steven's going to say something, however innocent, and he's going to shank him. He's just going to. He's gonna. He's gonna. It's not he's gonna a good trip him. unless there's at least one attempted murder. You know, 
Yeah, it is. Did you guys, I assume you experienced that phenomenon where everybody at some point wants to kill everybody else in the car? We were, yeah. We, yeah, I mean, we we had those moments. I, I was in a fever dream for the first half of the trip because I was <laughs> sick as a dog, but I refused yeah. to, like, not go. So, like, yeah. they, oh, yeah. these, these three assholes are, were, were at one place, and they climbed the mountain, and they're up at the top of the mountain watching my ass wander in circles because that's all I'm doing. And they're like, there he Owen, is. He's safe. Owen <laughs> like, was friends with this wallaby, and it looked like wallaby, he was having, like, just, we're on every, little, where were we at? Erlangi, right? It was right? at Erlangi, yeah. Like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm out of it on cough medicine because I'm just wandering in circles. Yeah. You're, yeah. not, you're not supposed to live in a car shoulder to shoulder with other people for days and days. Right. Day. Yeah. No. Right yeah. You snap. Like we were in Western Australia is me, Ryan Young, my friend, Mark Goyer. And we were in Perth on like our last day there. And there's like a park with this huge wetland area. There's snakes, tons of snakes and skinks and reptiles all around this area. Tiger snakes, dew guides, all sorts of elapids. We found a ton of them. But we were getting there and we were meeting up with our two Australian friends. And there was some debate as to which parking lot we were supposed to meet them in or where. And that just erupted. And I just, like, got out of a car that was still moving. I was so pissed. <laughs> it made no sense. I still don't actually know why. I'm like, God damn it, fuck this. I'm me out of the car. I got out and walked around, walked around this wetland area for, like, an hour by myself looking at snakes. It's just like, I was just like, I had to get out of the car. I was going right. to. It made no sense. It was like, you know, it was like. I think it's supposed to be uh, the parking lot over there. I think it's supposed to be over here. Like, and I just blew, lost my <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just completely. It's like, zoop. Everybody on that Everybody's like, got to go. Point, like, yep. I thought Steven was going to cry or kill somebody at one point on the Cape York trip. He just like, just snapped. Like we flipped him shit one too many times. And it was just like, <laughs> I, I, he just yeah. lost it. Thought like, Eric was going to smother me with a pillow. Everybody. Yep. Like, uh, it would have been. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. On the Northern Territory trip, I don't think we really had any, except for you being sick, Owen. But oh, yeah, other than but that, that was the, that we was were... just fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, because so. they we left did, me at the hotel the one day too. Sure. They were just like, yeah. leave the. Yeah, they left me because when you had to go get your phone, you left me and uh, at the hotel because you guys are all tired of dealing with it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I like, mean, you that, stay here. That, uh, that the story with the phone alone, it's like is enough. It, so. So when we were at Nurlangi, just out of nowhere, like you've been there, Nick, right? So, you know, yeah. there's like nobody there, you yeah. know, I mean, there's like nobody there. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these three German people just show up and we're like, what the hell is Where did you people come from? Yeah. And they, they, they pose for one picture and then they Will you take a picture for me? And they just, <laughs> but it's like, we didn't see them again on the trail. They like dissolved back into the ether and yeah. Then after there we was no car right, there, there, there was, they didn't have a car. Don't no idea where these like, people came the from. Yep. No man, it was nuts. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Shit. But yeah. Anyhow. Be, yeah. Chronicle all that stuff. Well, it's I mean it's it's just the crazy adventures think, you have, the unexpected things that you find crossing the road in the middle of the night, the things you didn't expect to be blown away by, like. Yep. I'm in remote Western Australia. Like, there's one that's like, oh my God, I, realize I can see the entire Milky Way galaxy, the entire yeah. spiral arm of the galaxy going at an angle because there's no light pollution at all. Because you are a million miles from any human civilization at all. And you could see all this stuff. It was just, it was just, it was glorious. I call that my. Uh, my realization that we're all just monkeys just floating monkey on a rock, rock through space. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're arguing about like, it too. That's like, <laughs> yeah, you're just like, oh wow, 
<laughs> okay. There's yeah. more to this. When you ponder that, and it's like... And it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's my book idea. So hopefully... I think uh, you could hold completely, you need to do that. That's just like... Yeah. Be a memoir of sorts. But yeah, I think yeah, people need to embrace it and get out there. It's, it's so... I don't know. It changes who you are. It changes your outlook. It changes your perspective on life and your own place in the universe and everything. 100%. Uh, so, and some people never, never do that. Mm-hmm. You get a whole new appreciation for the, you know, it, you know, I think the cool, I think for me, right. You know, it was the first year I produced gelatin jungles. I go to gelatin. I'm in gelatin. I'm on the road. I find two of them, like my very first carpet pythons. And then to come home and have them hatching out in my snake room yeah. to me, just like, just like, totally changed honestly i think i think carpets are easy to find in gelatin because i found a few too like it doesn't seem like it seems like if you get yourself there they're around they seem to be pretty locally abundant thankfully yeah yeah, no it's 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 the greatest thing you can do i think more people need to do it so you should inspire them uh, seize the day (laughs) right on carpe diem (laughs) exactly all right. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll jump off, and um, obviously, if people, I mean, throw your throw stuff your website out, there, out all that fun stuff. You, but, yeah. I mean, at this point, if they don't know who you are, I mean, I mean what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> <other>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. So been around a minute, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Inlandreptile.com. There, yeah, there you go. Done. I have Very the cool. only up-to-date website in all of herpeticulture. Oh shit! So. I have to update my. <laughs> the only website availability page is actually accurate. Yeah, that reminds me. <laughs> I have to do that this because weekend. Because no one else does. No one believes that mine is. So, is this still available? Is this still available? It's like, yeah, yes, just like yes, every- God damn it! <laughs> it's like, I think yes, I've done that to you a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if it's on there, it's I still got it. Like that's why right. it's on there. Like I, I'm good about that at least. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're looking for carpet pythons, uh, you know, these that's the guy. You you want to definitely check out what Nick has cuz you'll get lineage, you'll get, you know, you'll be able to call him anytime. I can't, you know, yeah. I can't say enough good things about him. Majority of my collection really came from Nick or Paul. <laughs> really, that's where it uh, comes from. Nick, Paul, or Justin. So, um, we'll, be, uh, we'll be in touch Eric about the podcast thing. I did Okay. I did, uh, yeah, I mean, this should be behind the scenes or anything. I did talk to Ryan about uh, jumping on there with me at least. Sweet. Because yeah. some of these things that I think work better rather than one person just discussing the ramifications and nuances yeah. of something, like having a dialogue and with another person that's equally well versed in that, and you're discussing yeah aspects of it and everything. And Ryan is probably the best person I know. Uh, I've known Ryan since the '90s, and he's local, like. We live about an hour apart now, oh, uh, but okay. I've, known him, I've known him since he was literally like 20, hmm. 19 years old. I've known him since he was a kid, and I'm, I'm only a few years older than him, but since we were both very much hobbyists, right. I've known him a long time, so our ideologically and our interests are very uh, strongly aligned. Right. Uh, we come up together in the business and the hobby and stuff, so I think he'd be a good person, to, and he knows a lot of stuff. Cool. That would be excellent. 
I would listen to that every week, no doubt. <laughs> Even if I'm editing, I'm still going to uh, listen. Yeah, it's <laughs> so. like, yeah, be careful what you wish for. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. Uh, right. I don't know how to edit anything, and I don't want to learn. I don't want to yeah. do that Why stuff. we have I, interns. Yeah, just I'm going to generate right. some files that I send to some people. Done. And those it. people can make a thing out of that That's stuff. That's all that needs to happen. <laughs> Here's the thing <laughs> now, Nick. You don't even have to send it. You just log into this. And Where when you hit, right when now, you're done hitting record, it's there. It does so it for us. I go and I download it and get the. It's all. It's you all you have to do man. is push buttons. That's it. Yeah, you just have to show up. I know, but it's, but yeah, we'll we'll definitely chat about that. We'll get, get it going. Get a better camera because I'm looking at you guys look crystal clear and I look like crap. I'm just running <laughs> off my computer, but if if Nick gets a better microphone before I do, I will riot. You understand me? I know. I have to get your microphone. Daddy sized microphone ever. Like a comically large. Like gold. Like a nice <laughs> radio show performer. You know, like. like On a I stand. want the microphone that George Clooney was singing into in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like, Done. Oh, that microphone. There you He's go. Constant sorrow. Like, <laughs> that microphone. Like, yeah, the boss microphone. Yes. Perfect. Very man. good. Perfect. We'll figure out the details, man. It's good talking to you guys as always. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We'll catch up with you yeah. soon. Thanks, Nick. All right. All right. All right. See you. All right. Uh, Owen, you want to – we'll just real quick run down. Okay. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, MoreliPythonRadio.com. Uh, if you want to send us an email, info at MoreliPythonRadio.com. Uh, is where you can uh, do that. Do that. Um, follow us on uh, Instagram uh, under NPR Network uh, is where we're at. Uh, so you can see all the podcasts that we have uh, going on. Uh, and hopefully uh, sometime soon, Nick uh, will be uh, joining the ranks. And if yeah. Ryan Young's with him, like, once uh, again, once hell? again, we're like, we got the heavy hitters. Well, bro, we do this thing. Network, oh, dude, I mean, we, we already have. <laughs> I mean, I love how we do the thing. We got Drew Lambert. Yeah. We got, got, we got uh, Chuck, we know. got we got Nick, we're getting Ryan, we got oh no, we can't talk about the other one yet. Can we? Yeah, we can. We can? Yeah. All right, we Loafman. got we got Loafman. Um, and Matt and Matt, Matt most. most. Yeah, we got those. Yeah, man. Um and then yeah. it's us two chuckleheads running around here doing whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know how doing. we got Why the fuck are we still yeah. here? I mean, like it we eventually show up. Eventually, the smarter people and the more advanced people will riot and overthrow us. Until then, um, we are still in charge of the NPR network. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I told you, we, we must rule with an iron fist we, or they will come for us. We have international uh, yeah, shows we have as the, well. The, we uh, have the Australian herp, 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 herp. And half of your podcast with Nipper, that's international, kind of. Yeah. 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 Nipper counts Which, as his own. In, in, by the way, uh, Marco Shea. No, 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 no. <laughs> should be coming. Should God. be coming. Please put that out and, then, and listen to the hell out of it. Oh my God. No, I don't want him on. I'm going to, no. I don't want him on. I'm going to send you, you get the, you get to hear the uh, raw file. Okay. Yeah. Right. Now, like, you'll All listen right. to the podcast will. or whatever, but will, you need but... to hear the raw file. Five. I'm not sure if I'm okay with him coming on the show though, dude. Like I'm it's gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah. Hello, sir. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear a suit. <laughs> like it's gonna be <laughs> Hello. No one else will see but me and you and uh, him, but yeah. Yes. Oh god. <sighs> Owen, ask the opening questions. I can't. Um, I don't um... remember who's Owen. <laughs> How do uh, I start this? I don't know what's going on. I mean yeah. it yeah. No. Yeah. That'll so. that'll happen, no doubt. All so. righty. All right. Uh, where? What else? Teespring uh, Store. 
go to yeah, the go Teespring ahead. store. Go to the Teespring store to get all this cool shit. NPR shit, Morelli, um, uh, Carpet Fest stuff, EB Morelia stuff, Rogue Reptile stuff. It's all in the Teespring store. You can purchase everything. Um, also, go to the Patreon page, and if you join the Inland tier, you'll get invites to the monthly uh, roundtable or whatever we're going to call it with me, Lucas, Riley, and Eric, where we discuss whatever it is you want to talk about, however much you want to talk about it. Um, it, it's usually a lot of fun, pretty laid back. Um, also go over and like all the different podcasts that we have in the NPR network and tune in to all of them that you're interested in. You might learn something about stuff that you never even thought possible. Eric's on a crazy monitor kick right now. It's weird. This is true. I am yes. obsessing over Argentine boas. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> the world is, what is come going undone. on. I don't know. How did we get here? So yes. there's that. Um, uh, also, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. You're EB Morelia. I'm Rogue Reptiles. You can find EB Morelia on a ton of different platforms. We've been Rogue Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, at this point, you you people should have been listening for this long. I mean, you know where to find us. Please go like and subscribe to all our different social medias because we usually post up little things from our own stuff and then stuff we do together. Um, and yeah, that's it. So we'll say thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night.